Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midweek Motorsport. News, features, special guests and analysis from the experts. Formula One, sports car and endurance racing, rallying, touring cars and bikes. If it has wheels and an engine and they keep score, it's on Midweek Motorsport. evening a little after eight o'clock on a wednesday night uh, actually getting on for three minutes just after three minutes after eight o'clock on a wednesday evening we have a packed show this evening on midweek motorsport as we return from our post le mans post nurburgring post everything at week off series 15 episode 42 good to have your company up in london our executive producer is tim gray good evening tim Good evening, John. And on a packed show tonight, and it really is a packed show tonight. It really is a packed show tonight. We'll have all the usual features. Uh, We'll be joined by uh, some regular contributors uh, and some irregular contributors. We've got Nick Damon, Shay Adam and Jeremy Shaw all on the show. Right. Uh, You can guess why that is. We've got an exclusive. Uh, We've got news in Spanish. Uh, we have our big interview just after 9 o'clock, which is also going to give us an exclusive, I believe. Um, I'm not sure it's been announced anywhere else yet. And okay. we'll be joined by the Baron, Paul Tarsi, who has ah, another exclusive. Yes. Yeah, it's all it's all exclusive all the time. 24 hours exclusive on RS1 uh, this evening. Uh, hello to you all who are tweeting in. Thank you for all the very kind uh, wishes for my birthday. I literally have not had time to do much today. I opened my birthday cards tonight when Nick Damon arrived with a rather nice single malt. Thank you, Nick. Uh, And uh, thank you to my sister-in-law for the mandolin. And I I really do mean a mandolin. Are you going to do the whole Rod Stewart, John Peel thing, are you? No, he's going to do early 90s REM covers. Yeah, I, I, my earliest memory of that it was John Peel faking it, wasn't it, on top of the pops? Oh, really? Playing background to. Or some, sometimes which Rod Stewart is playing in the background to. Maggie Mayer, yeah, probably. Um, Dunky needs to teach me how to tune it, I think, first. It's a eight string mandolin at that. Double four. Oh, right, okay. So, um, I, I it's not far off. And all I can think of is Bruce Hornsby in the range and listen to the mandolin rain. Right now. Right, okay. okay. Uh, more of that not in this show. And uh, have eight strings, John. Well, okay, yes. But in case anybody was getting, you know, confused with a ukulele. ukulele. Ooh, no, I'm told there are 12 string mandolins available as well. Ah, you see, you see. I string this one out for a bit. But very good. Commonly, they're eight strings. Well, I've made such a nightmare of guitar playing god knows what i'm gonna do with a mandolin but i'm gonna have a go that's all how those winter nights will fly by i'm very 
Uh, thank you to Graham and Michelle uh, for that. Um, we have quite a lot of parish notices uh, this evening. Hello to Matt Kalachi, who's tuned in. Uh, Malaburdo, Alan Prosser, thank you for the monkey bite e episode of Throttle Out, which I've watched the first 15 minutes of. Have, have you watched that? I haven't watched it, but I have it on my list now. It's mega. It is absolutely mega. Hello to RTL, to Kevin Payne, to Viz Patel, uh, to Yoda's uncle, Sarah Rigby, up in Crewe, home of Bentley. Uh... To Randy Elvis, hello. To Brody, uh, to Mickey Heth, and to Cheer, uh, who's on the programme tonight. Uh, to Thomas Roth as well, uh, and to Stephen Gardner, who've all uh, tweeted in this evening to say hello. And Stephen Gardner particularly says the change to 4 p.m. Eastern because you haven't changed your clocks yet in the state. Fall back. You're falling back a bit later, aren't you, than everybody else. So, listening in uh, live for the first time in a few weeks. Mercurius listening in. Uh, hello to Dave Monks uh, as well. To James Curran. Uh, Chris Smith, who is getting his EFAs in now, but he'll be podcasting on Friday. Uh, to Owen Trinkler, who's listening in tonight. Hello, Owen. Uh, to Carzars, to James Curran to Stephen Lloyd and to Phil who's looking forward say Phil looking forward to the show tonight feels like at least a fortnight since the last one yes Alex Orkin not quite a couple of hours less no than indeed fortnight. yeah uh, spicy salmon sorry spa salmon and chips with a spicy pak choy garnish uh, Alex tonight Moni is tuned in from the cube Monica thank you for the birthday wishes hope you and Billy are okay Oliver Giles uh, Sergio Nesimento uh, and to Serafina, running late, just leaving the office, but no AFAs. That was 20 minutes ago, but you should be, should be there by now and tuned in, I hope. Ted the Toyman, uh, listening from tomorrow. The uh, daylight saving reversal makes midweek motorsport more listenable at 6.30 a.m. where he is rather than 4.30. Chris Suku listening in tonight. Light supper as feeling stuffed from lunch. Okay. Uh, Jack Gabriel. Oh, fantastic picture of the young Gabriel right in front of the broad speed Capri. Was that one of the Cologne Capris? From Silverstone and the Classic TT on Sunday, which I thoroughly enjoyed myself. More classic news later. Kevin Glass tuning in live as he's driving on Highway 401 to 2. Toronto, which has the most insane drivers on the planet. You've not been to Belgium, have you? Uh, hello to Josh Barrett, who's catching us on the podcast, uh, as is Martel, Marcel Duc. Uh, and good morning to Jack Martin, Dave Alcock, uh, and to everyone else. At Specutainment is where you need to be this evening. Let's have the top story. Tim, play the music. All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek Motorsport. And one more uh, parish notice, which uh, is from a uh, friend of the show, Martin Haven. Oh. Who says, happy birthday, Hindy. You don't look a day over 60. Yeah, because that's because he's so old. His eyes are so bad, he can't tell. Quite frankly. Uh, Dave Alcock, L.A. Filippone, Matt Hunter, 
here and live this evening from a hunter's from the hunter's cottage extremely wet and windy and uh entropy nebula which is one of the greatest uh one of the greatest twitter handles ever playing with a new delay pedal for my guitar mm. the edge is going down to oh i'd love some pedals i would love pedal for your mandalorian as shay's insisting on calling it <laughs> yeah well gonna, no that's it it's the mandalorian if you're gonna buy pedals buy a decent set of pedals for your sim rig which I don't have. But you should get, but you're not allowed to because you get too obsessive. I don't think that's true at all. <laughs> not at all. Uh, top story tonight. The papers have been shuffled. Is this an exclusive? This is our first exclusive of the night. Right. Uh, and it's something that's not happening for over a year. Really? Yeah. That, that's an exclusive, but way ahead of time, then. Way ahead yes. of time. Excellent. Good uh, stuff. Nick Damon. What are you doing on the 12th, 13th and 14th of November, 2021? Well, who knows? Flying to somewhere nice? You will be flying to somewhere nice, yeah. Excellent. Go on then, tell me where I'm going. It's the Hankook 24 hours of... Um, I don't know. Sebring. Ooh! Well, I hope they've got their suspension sorted on those cars. <laughs> 24 hours Sebring, worth 48 hours anywhere, anywhere else. else. Absolutely. Absolutely that, right. Do we know if it's a split 24 or running right through? Well, it's sharing with the IMSA date, is it? Or is it the week after no, the IMSA date? No, no, no. No, this is, a, this is a, yeah, this is a, a standalone date for the Hancock 24-hour series in their return to the United States. Remember, um, they had a few issues Yes. Uh, at the Circuit of the Americas. A circuit, in fairness, that we all loved going to. And some of us were relatively successful there. Yeah, I got a lot they of had, interviews. They had some yeah, rain, did. though, didn't they? No, not no. when I was there. No. <laughs> it was good. It was good. I, In I, November. I mean, it was, it was slowly subsiding. Apart from that, it was great. Yeah, well, you know. Uh, like all of us in many ways. Well, <laughs> there is that. There is that. <laughs> so this is the return of the Hankook 24-hour series to the United States of America with a 24-hour race at Sebring. It's been asked for... People said it should happen. Well, it will happen in 2021. Now, quite clearly, there has to be a little bit of an asterisk next to it because of we don't know where we're going to be in just over a year's time. But there, uh, I'm not sure whether we can announce the rest of the calendar yet. But what I can say... We know some of it. Is we know some of it. We know that it's going it, to start in Dubai. Yes, the the very, very good point. Dubai. Yeah. And, and finish that's on the 14th and 15th and 16th of January. And we know that it will uh, finish. Sebring will be the last race of the season. Correct. And we, and we also know, that the know because right, go on. we covered it uh, just a couple of weeks ago when uh, we brought you coverage of the Copper Florio, the first, uh, or the revival well, of the Copper yes, Florio, yes, so that point. will be happening again. And we know that that's October. on the 1st, 2nd and 3rd of October next year. That's a good year. point. Don't um, we also know that they've got the Abu Dhabi race in the 20th Ah, of well, we haven't seen that yet. Uh, we, haven't, okay. we haven't yet seen that in 2021. What I do hear is that all races in the championship will count. There will be no dropped scores. It will be a single championship. And so what the 24-hour series are looking for then is people to come and commit for a full series. And I don't think that's a bad thing. You will be able to drop in and out but it'll be more difficult for you to win the championship with that. And you okay. have a minimum of one AM driver per team. 
Oh, right. Um, and there are limits on the number of pro drivers you can have in your teams. Is that for everything, including um, GT3? Yeah, I think so. Uh, in GT3 and in the 991 class, uh, there will be a favourable balance of performance for uh, well, uh, teams with more amateurs. Good. <laughs> I love the fact that Sarah Rigby has already found somebody playing a mandolin and has tweeted it into yeah, me. You kind of need the Burt Whedon book of how to learn the mandolin, don't you? Yeah, I'm sure it's not the Burt Whedon tuna deer Could be. mandolin. I, I feel that the uh, my long winter nights um, in lockdown will be covered nicely with that. Uh, so we also know that there are be eight events, so we don't know what the other five Correct. are, but there are eight of them. Uh, Dave Alcock tweets in at Spectatorman, 24 hours of Sebring. Wow, wow, wow. Sorry, I'll do it as Keith here. Wow, wow, wow. <laughs> um, near, I love it when Keith does that. Near my birthday, I'm blotting out that weekend and the seat in front of the television. Fantastic news. What a date. What a venue for the 24-hour series. Wait, Matt Hunter. But it's his birthday. Why doesn't he just come? Well, if, if we can get a plan, yeah. Matt Hunter says, 24-hour series headed to Sebring. Very keen uh, on this. Uh, that is breaking news then on Midweek Motorsports tonight that the 24-hour series, powered by Hancock, the Creventic series, will be heading to Sebring for its season finale in 2021. We know it will start in Dubai and we know it will finish in Sebring. Sebring. Yeah, eight race series. Fill in the rest of the blanks. We'll give you the news on that as soon as we can. Uh, where would you like to go to next, Tim? No te fías en español. Ole. Por midweek motorsport. That was a bit loud. Wow. It was, wasn't like it? the echo, though. The echo I did like the, the echo. The that, was, that was the delay pedal yeah. that we were talking about <laughs> earlier on, uh, undoubtedly. And now we've got the deafness pedal, so that's fine. Hey, Paul? What? What? Por favor? Okay. 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 Yes. from Barcelona. Come from Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. Calendario Provisional 2021. Right. <laughs> you don't have to do the voice as oh, well. Oh, he does. He oh, does. all right. Okay. Right. I think that, that even, even we can't get that one wrong. Okay, go on. Uh, Grand Premio di Bahrain. Yeah. 14 de Marzo. Yeah. Grand Premio de Vietnam, 28 de Marzo. Right. Grand Premio de China, 11 de Abril. Chinois. Chinia. Quick question. Why are you just reading out the provisional calendar for F1 in, in Spanish? Because they've sent it to me in Spanish. Well, also, it doesn't, is it not starting in Australia, then? It is not starting in Australia. Oh, what's no. that, what, that was happening only like two weeks ago. No, but Australia have already said they're shut down till the end of happen. 2021. Are they back in October, then, now, then? 24th of October. Or 24 de October. When, when did you get this? Early today. Oh, interesting, because there's two versions of the calendar going around. This was the pre-preview one. Right, so we're not actually now doing news in Spanish. It is it it, it came in in Spanish. In yes, it is calendar news in Spanish, and we're actually going to make a sensible story out of this because that is the Formula One calendar. For what is it? Sorry, the Formula Uno. What, what subject is this? Oh, hang on. <laughs> uh, it's Formula One. So let's have uh, Nick Damon, our Formula One correspondent. Hooray! for calendar news. 
Yeah, sorry, anyway, I see where you're going thank with you very that. Much. <laughs> um, and by the way, Nick bought me a very nice bottle of single malt whiskey. You mentioned that. I know yeah. he's had quite a bit of it. That's but I'm saying I'm saying <laughs> that again, just in case you know people. I think forgot. quite a right. brandy in the cake that I made this afternoon. Oh, did you it's really? Well, okay. um, I can smell yeah, it. Yeah, so there have been two versions of the calendar because there, there was an FIA meeting uh, on Tuesday or Monday, Monday, Tuesday. Anyway, they had an FIA meeting and they were there was a pre-calendar which didn't have Australia as the first race. And then the Australian Grand Prix Corporation went, nah, mate, we are still the first race, definitely. And everyone said, how can you... It's in Wales, be, is it? Yeah. Nice. How can you be the first race when your com- country's not going to be out of lockdown at that point? And they went, ah. And then there's a second version. And they now. went, what? Ah. <laughs> and there's a second version, <laughs> uh, which now has them in October. But I, I'm not actually sure that either of them have been officially signed off. Well, there hasn't been another World Motorsport Council, frankly. This one's a second call. Yes, yeah. and I, yes. Think it, I think it's provisionally A and provisionally B. Um, the obviously the, the the standout piece of news about this is obviously the part of the fact that Vietnam gets to take its first race, as does uh, Zandvoort. Though Zandvoort is moving to the back end of the European season, not starting the European season. It's uh, uh, race number it, five on the second of May, apparently. No, no. The, see, the, on Calendario B, ah. it's in a triple. Dual. It's in a triple header with. Um, Belgium and uh, this is typical. They've managed I mean, it does to make issue sense to have it next to Belgium, doesn't it? Does it? Does this mean that the that form that the uh, that Liberty and at the FIA don't know their calendars from their calendar elbow? I think that's quite. I think what it basically is they they produced a calendar and then went. Oh, hang on, that's not going to work from the first round. Bit embarrassing. So they produced a second calendar where they've shuffled around the start of the season, uh, and then they produced two calendars, which are both doing the rounds. Um, but Did both your of them version have, have 22 know, or 23 races on it? 23. Mm. Oh, you 23. see? See, that's why we have Nick. Right, you can see a lot about Nick, but he's across this totally. Yeah, and don't forget that... You've been talking to teams again, no, haven't I you? May, may someone. Uh, and the 23rd race, because don't forget, we're all in this... What's that thing? We race together, we're all in it together, rainbow flags and everyone marvellous. And the new 23rd race, provisionally, not officially, and frankly, given the backlash, well, the 23rd who knows, race will actually be Abu Dhabi, so... Well, yes, but the one that's been added then. Yeah. Is, um, is we race as one. Yeah, we race as one. We love mm. everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, apart from Vitaly Petrov, which is another complete misstep. Um, but then again, you know, he didn't do it in the end for rather sad personal reasons. Anyway, so but the point about it is they put Saudi Arabia in, which I yeah fine. Ka-ching. Is China in there? Yeah, I know. Is Turkey in there again? No. Oh, okay. So only Turkey this year. Mm-hmm. Turkey was only one Turkey's off. An emer- Turkey's an emergency despot, not a permanent despot. Oh, okay, fine. I mean, still I Australia as well. I, I do realise it's very, very grey, and I realise that you know, this is uh, politics and sport have been intertwined forever. It does seem to me adding a race. You know, perhaps when you've been to China, I have for ten, fifteen years. You go fair enough, but actually choosing to add a race with possibly one of the most repressive countries that could afford to hold one isn't really giving the We Racers One message a particularly big tick. But isn't Sidi Adiba um, b- trying to buy its way out of everything by just spending money on sport? That's Because that's what Saudi Arabia has been doing. It's the, funny, the, isn't it, how right, you know, worrisome regimes... A bit like Bahrain did, remember, when they were having a massive... Like to buy Sport all the way back from, I'm sure, from don't forget the apartheid, South Africa, well, cricket why tours. Why do you think 
Adolf Hitler wanted it in the Olympic Games so badly to show exactly how well it went. And it's, it's from there onwards. And you can go to the East Germans who drugged everyone up. And not allegedly, they did it. And Russia. Yep. So you're both answer. And more recently, mm. oddly. Yeah, same date. So, yeah, I mean, sport, we know, is not as pure as we all love it to be. But I'm questioning why they would choose to do this now. I understand the legacy events, we would call it, fair enough, we have to kind of like hold our noses and bar mm. and everything else. But adding it just seems a bit odd to me and not really on the programme. But that's provisionale. Provisionale, and it may be unprovisionale again. Mm. I'm sure so. it'll definitely happen, just as uh, it's on the Formula E calendar after they had a very successful trip there last yeah, season. That shouldn't have happened either. Uh, just to prove we're live, here's some soccer scores. Nil four, nil two, nil nil, nil nil. Nil one, nil one, nil nil. And Not uh, a great news just night for the home teams then. No, indeed <laughs> so. Uh, and news uh, that uh, in the from the English Football League Championship, Rotherham lead after reports of an unauthorised drone. But Gary Lineker has been led away from the ground. <laughs> hey. uh, and shall we stay with the pizza trophy? That sounds really good. <laughs> well, indeed. Shall uh, we? Uh, shall we stay with Formula One? one. Uh, and in a moment, we'll okay. do next team by team guide to the. Uh, Portuguese Grand Prix, uh, but yes. first in brief, uh, Pierre Gasly will remain with Alpha Tauri. Yes, he will, because um, apparently Christian Horner would rather have anybody but him back in the team. Um, obviously, uh, and also Pierre Gasly would rather stay him. there than go back to Red Bull. No, no, that's not true, Tim. He keeps telling us how much he wants to go to Red Bull, and obviously that's true, and he wouldn't make it up just because he thinks he has to say it. Mm. Pierre Gasly wants to go to Renault. That's where he wants to be. He's got to work out the final year of his contract and then he can go to Renault and be the fast French person there rather than Esteban Ocon. Um, effectively, we are now in a situation where this weekend we, Alex Albon will... Um, if Alex Albon doesn't win the um, Emma Regalia, is that his? Emma Regalia Grand Prix, uh, Imola, um, he will Emilia be... Emilia Thank you very much. He'll be unceremoniously moved to the left and not retained and <laughs> um, Nico Hulkenberg will come in. And who's going to replace Max Verstappen for his racist slurs in We Races 1? You were they talking weren't, about they that They weren't earlier. racist. They were uh, ableist. I mean, they kind of oh, were. Right. Well, that's, no, actually, actually, that's a really good point, actually, because one of the words he used, actually, I took it as an ableist comment, but actually it's also now a racist comment. He, Correct. he managed to double-tick about it. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to give it any oxygen. If you want to see what he said, it was out. It was a, you know, it was that's disgraceful. Bad, but, well, it was disgraceful he said it, but he's can you completely if, got away with it. If Hamilton you, had said that. I it. was going to say, can you imagine <laughs> I know. If, if Lewis Hamilton had said that? Now, many people will say, oh, yes, you're British. You're going to defend Hamilton. Anybody who's listened to this show for any amount of time will know that I am not a Hamilton apologist. However, I also know that the racism that has been rife, and I've been saying this for years, we've both been saying this for years, Nick, hmm? that the racism that has been rife in Formula One, um, just not even quietly under the surface, but apparently it's fine for absolutely appalling comments to be made over the radio. Now there's a there's a further there is a further debate to be had about who in Formula One management and TV decides that that's a good idea to put to air and then release the unexpurgated version. So is a somebody out to get Verstappen? B somebody else out to show him up as the despicable personality that he is or is there another agenda yes, there the somewhere agenda is, the agenda is column inches they, they him having a good old rant at lance stroll um because of a 50 50 incident um makes good 
good copy. And they and they probably just when he's gone effity ff and then said two far worse things. Mm. And the thing to remember, well, the effity ff is bad enough, frankly, because there's no need it, for that it, to be there. Yeah, but I think and I, to be broadcast. Yeah, it shouldn't be broadcast. They do bleep it. And in fairness, I think if you try to take the f word out of sport, then effectively you have to tape every, every single footballer's mouth up. Yes, but. No, I'm not condoning it, but we have to live in... There's no need to broadcast it. Yeah, well, I... I, And and when you put it up on the screen with what the words are, just leave it out completely. I don't don't know what they're doing. But but, but again, I... It's it's who's doing it. The Wireless Telegraphy Act of 1959 in the UK makes it an offence to broadcast profanity. Hey, look, I'm not, I'm not saying it. I, I don't know what... They, I'm not quite sure. Again, we know they, they keep trying to tell stories. I think they thought that was... A, whoever was, whoever is doing the transcripts thought that was a great thing to put up because it was, you know, emotion and um, a, a, a driver attacking the other driver. Max Shepard said some things he should never have said. And more importantly, genuinely didn't care. Mm. Genuinely just... And he has got this chin-jutting arrogance that you sometimes think, oh, come on, Max, you don't need to do this. But I think... You know, and it just makes him seem ill-educated rather than anything else. It mm. just makes him seem, you know, sometimes he displays his age, other he displays his upbringing, and you think, you know, come on, just you, you can say sorry for that. It doesn't mean you're going to go slur or everyone's going to think you're weak. That was a mistake. Say sorry, you know. Lewis Hamilton, what a year and a half ago, two years ago, was caught in an Instagram thing saying girls, sh- boys shouldn't wear dresses, and admitted he was wrong and apologised for it, and that was like minor, you know, in comparison. If you were a if you were a soccer star and you were caught doing that, you'd get a couple of games well, banned they, for bringing the game into the They banned yeah. the in America. They banned the guy what six games for using a, a gay slur against an, an openly gay player. I think they another guy got done for eight games. Was it, was it um, Suarez got done for eight games for making a um, a racist comment? You know, I tell you what, if they banned Verstappen for a race, which they wouldn't do, but they banned Verstappen for a race for that. That would certainly soon calm the whole thing down. Everyone uh, team by the by way, good team. news. Sorry, just a bit of good news for the home teams. It's now 1-0. Oh, oh All yeah. of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, just one. <laughs> We're going to start with Racing Point, Nick. Right, yes. First of all, the um, the Portimao Grand Prix. Let's let's have a little bit of a chat about Portimao because Portimao is a fantastic track. In fairness to, to F1, they managed to get some decent camera angles and made it look fantastic, which was good. You got to see how many blind corners there were, how often you were just drifting about. Can I say one? I only want to say one thing about this. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, the crowd! The, time. the biggest crowd they've ever had at Portimao for anything. And they had to turn people away. I, I was sceptical about how many people they might get there. If they told me there was thirty thousand people there on race day, I would absolutely believe it. I think it was sixty down to forty. They were had, they originally thought they'd get sixty, and then things got worse, and they clipped it down, clipped it down to forty. Well, do you know what? I, I'm not going to argue that much about that. The queues on the way in on qualifying and practice day, the they weren't massively socially distanced. There was some social distancing, but they were spread out around the track. Yeah, all right. If they say there was forty thousand, they've never had that many people there for anything. They've had the four before, just not the T thousand. <laughs> Sorry, I, I I just wanted to say well done to everybody concerned about that yeah. because I thought it yeah, looked great. Yeah, and the track was great, and the resurfacing took out the bumps, and then of course resurfacing being new gave a completely new set of problems with the oil still weeping out. So, um, Portimao personally, I thought did really really well. I was very amused because obviously we've been going to Portimao for years. All these F1 journeys, oh it's got a swimming pool. Oh it's not very deep. Oh I'll go paddling. Oh dear, honestly. 
get with the program. Right, racing point. Well, mm. Lance Stroll, uh, officially not with COVID anymore, um, but appeared to have long COVID in his driving. Managed to have an incident with uh, Max Verstappen on turn one during uh, Friday practice, and then managed to have an incident with uh, Lando Norris during the race for which he received a penalty. He also received a penalty for constant abuse of track limits. He also just looked out of sorts. And then he actually, they actually retired his car just to stop him getting more penalties. And he came dead last. Sergio Perez um, had a terrible start in his slippy period. He got slightly, I don't know, he had a coming together with uh, uh, Max Verstappen. Not, it's hard to applaud and blame, really. And then he ended up facing the wrong way. Had to get, fault. Um, I don't know. He's a lap one instant. I mean, I think, you know, Verstappen was the off outside. the track and rejoining, and he well, did he that rejoining manoeuvre by spearing diagonally across it. Yes, um, but anyway, the, I mean, well, of course, it was not even worth worthy of the investigation as far as the uh, the uh, stewards are concerned. It wasn't not, not like it was it was like it was found innocent. They didn't bother looking at it. Um, there were a lot of cars skidding around anyway. But yeah, so he, he, that put Perez to the back with a new set of tyres. He ran very long, was doing really really well. Last few laps put on the soft tyres, which just didn't work. It was a tale of tyres, this race, and the soft tyres didn't work. And he lost a couple of places, but still came seventh from dead last. So at least they got some points at Racing Point, but not much point because, you know, Lance Stroll's pointless. Alpha Tauri. Um, yeah, that's again another team, but another tale too. Danny, Danny Kvyat, honestly, apart from getting, I think, pinged for track limits and trundling around, honestly, I, I don't think I saw him. Oh, he spun a lot. He spun a lot in practice, remember that, but really didn't register um he is being absolutely spanked by pierre gasly who has uh who who came in fifth looked incredibly competitive the whole way through also got the soft tires to work on the first um stint brilliant performance again by by pierre so you know he's, he's certainly got his uh he's, he's signed up to after another year and then he can go somewhere else after that and if you had uh trundling on your bingo card you can take that <laughs> off now uh williams Nicholas Latifi also did nothing. Um, he was way off um, Russell's pace all weekend, even though he's probably still got to drive. Um, yeah, because it's rich dad cash-tastic. Um, George Russell has had a lot of pressure because of the rumours of his impending replacement, or potential replacement, should I say, by Sergio Perez and his Mexican cash, uh, put in a fantastic qualifying performance, and then went as fast as he could with the Williams during the race, which unfortunately was 14th place, but looked pretty good. Um, had a couple of decent fast laps did what he could do with the car and was again comprehensively better than his teammate who is obviously a walking checkbook but George isn't a walking checkbook he's actually a proper racing driver so he's may well be out of a drive because that's where we're at the moment prior to uh, the wonderful world of cost caps Haas well what we're going to do at Haas is the first thing on the Thursday we're going to sack both our drivers so that was a good thing so both uh, Kevin Magnussen and Roman Grosjean are looking for new jobs much as I said last week I think Roman Grosjean will be going oh, we have to been the Persia Ipa car this season, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, we said that, we said they needed to do it. I'm surprised by. Are we, are we going to do, do, this, do this as a separate story? We're going to do this now about the potential replacements. Do it now. <laughs> so um, what I was surprised about was that the potential replacements are, as expected, Nikita Mazapan and his cash, but not. But then it now seems that the second driver will be Mick Schumacher. So it's double rookies, um, which is always risky because you know, they don't necessarily know how to develop the car. Um, and more importantly, the interesting thing about that is that Mick Schumacher is going to join Haas and not join where we thought Alfa Romeo, because apparently for I want to give Antonio Giovinazzi another year, and I have no idea why. I have no idea what Antonio Giovinazzi has apart from being Italian, because um, really he's just nothing. 
I mean, he's not terrible. I mean, every F1 driver's good, but he just hasn't. He's never going to be anything. So you just hold the upper seat someone else could have. But yeah, so the smart money is on Nikita Mazepan and his large checkbook, and um, Mick Schumacher and Ferrari's checkbook and his reputation uh, driving the Haas next year in the race. Yes, exactly. Yes, his big genetics. Um, but the interesting thing is, if the, if Nikita Mazepan and uh, Michael Schumacher um, get into F1 with George Russell, it means every single person who I interviewed on the podium in the Formula 3 race a couple of years ago has made F1. So I've decided I'm a lucky talisman for Formula 3, and they should get me on the podium more often to get to F1. There we go. I um, you mentioned that they finished 16th and 17th. Yeah, I was about to say, and they didn't really do very much. Uh, Alfa Romeo. Uh, Giovinazzi didn't do very much. He's quite easy. half the field just go yeah and uh, Giovinazzi didn't, didn't uh, I don't even remember seeing Giovinazzi. I think he held someone up for a couple of laps. But his teammate Kimi Raikkonen produced the first lap of the gods, running from I think seventeenth at one point up to seventh. Effectively, Kimi just showed a bit of experience. He was good at feeling the gip, gip, gif, good at feeling the grip. Um, had a um, the, the soft tyres on and just went past the inside, outside and around everyone else. And I think he was, as he said, he was surprised. He thought they were all going slowly rather than he was going quickly. Unfortunately, I think he came up as high as fifth, I think. And then it just fell back because the car isn't that quick. But it was a great performance. And again, reminding us why he's going to get himself another year. So that now does look like it's going to be Giovinazzi and Raikkonen and Alfa Romeo for next season. McLaren. Lando Norris got taken out dramatically by um, Lance Stroll, and interestingly... I oh, know. I'm going to take you out! <laughs> Didn't call him too many names, I think, at the time. He may actually call him a, something later, which he then actually apologised for, believe it or not. Um, apparently, you can apologise if you say something you shouldn't do. <laughs> Who'd thunk it? Uh, and he drove well. He was actually doing reasonably well prior to the uh, the incident. It would have probably had a reasonable top 10 finish rather than being 13th. Uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. had the fabulous situation of being in the lead for two or three laps at the start as his soft tyres switched on. He went in and out and out and in and swept past everyone and then just got overtaken as it came fading back. And it does appear that the McLaren is a little bit slower now in race trim than um, both the Alfa Tauri driven well and, of course, the Ferrari driven well. Um, so they're going to be struggling or, or having a very close battle with the third overall in the championship with all the teams, I think, really. Uh, where are we going next? Ferrari. No, Red Bull. Red Bull. Red Bull. Uh, okay, so Alex Albon, as I said, will be, f- well, he'll be fired. He will be confirmed as not being retained in about a week's time. Um, whether he'll be dropped down to um, AlphaTauri or whether he'll be out entirely is going to depend on how much uh, Red Bull really want to have uh, Yuki Tsunoda on. And that might depend, obviously, on how much Honda are going to charge him for the IP rights for their engine. So, possibly that Not might... happening. Mm, what isn't happening? Might... The IP rights. I don't know. They're, oh, they're they're pushing some... Red Bull they're will be some... building their own engines in Austria next year. They're spending some political capital to try and make it work. And that's expensive political capital. Okay. Um, but, you know, there, there are both ways of doing it. And sometimes spending political capital, you might spend it in a way to achieve something else entirely, like a Mercedes engine or a Ferrari engine, whatever it may be. Uh, Vettel was poor, um, but not as poor as he has been. Um, still struggling with a car which doesn't work at the back end, and he doesn't like he doesn't it, and I think he doesn't Bull care. Anymore, oh, I've, I've, gone, I've jumped one up, have I? Yeah. Anyway, this is Ferrari. Um, <laughs> oh dear, very good. So, um, yeah, and uh, Charles Leclerc was brilliant all weekend. He uh, qualified fourth. He got the car fourth. He just has taken that thing by the scruff, and now he's doing the thing that really good drivers do, which is make a rubbish car seem at least half decent. So he's in there with Alonso, Alonso and and early Hamilton as well in, in in pushing cars that shouldn't have been there up. So it's a, it's a good sign. But but interestingly, that Vettel 
has never been able to do. No. No. And let's hope, let's hope the Racing Point's good there for Racing Points. Uh, sorry, the Aston Martin will be um, with their extra uh, AMG cash. Well, Mercedes well, cash. Well, and yes, that is a good point because although this is not in team by team, do we mention this now, Tim? What's that? Um, La- uh, Lawrence Stroll, exactly as predicted on this show, has started up selling off his shares of Aston Martin. And the first person to dive in is EMG, taking 20% Mercedes, stake. Yeah. Uh, Mercedes, rather, taking uh, 20% stake. So he's made himself a nice little bit of pocket money. Having given uh, bought a few as well. 7%. Yeah, there. Very interesting. And remember where you heard it first, dear listener. We said this many times earlier on. Months ago, was that, Nick? Yeah, months ago. Where we said that uh, Aston Martin will end up not being owned by Lawrence Stroll. And his consortium, it will be owned by Mercedes-Benz. Absolutely. And he's going to make a tidy sum. And you know what? He's a businessman. He's a billionaire. He had to get there somehow. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so back to Max Verstappen, because obviously that's sorry. Red Bull. Sorry. Um, uh, Max, who blotted his copybook verbally um, on a couple of occasions. I think Max is... Yeah, Max got third. Well done. Max trundled around. Is Max really good? Or are his teammates bad? Or is the car not good enough? Or is he not able to develop it? No one knows. They need to get someone in there who can actually balance against him. He's certainly got a little bit kind of um, big for his boots, I think. Um, and he, he he might find if he got challenged by someone, it might be uh, more awkward. I mean, they may have gone down a call just like a development by co- only listening to Max Verstappen. It might be the car's bad. We don't know. Oh, is Max Verstappen the Mark Marquez of Formula One? May well be. We don't know. Because they've they've employed two people who couldn't mentally handle being well. In fairness, the team is so built around Max; it's hardly even fair. In fairness, Mark Marquez isn't um, the sort of personality of Max, but no. I, I meant in the car development. Or, and side. also, Team yes. Max, of course, with Yoss and the rest of them doesn't help either. So, um, <laughs> Team Max. Um, yeah. No, no, you're wrong there. It's never anything than Team Yoss. Yes, that's true. Or he'll punch you, uh, and that's not allegedly. So yeah, Max did well. He got third, but he's he's, he's not really. You know, looking at this, it, it, the problem is it gets built up every weekend that this is the weekend when it's all going to, and it's not because it's not because either him or the car or the combination of the car and the way it's set up or the, the lack of the ability to do anything kind of means that it's it's needs those weird days or weird months or more, more not usefully a Lewis Hamilton penalty of some sort to stop them from winning. And Ferrari, for the third time this season, got both cars in the points, they did, and I talked about them. So let's move on to Renault. <laughs> <laughs> we just split the teams there, you see. Though. Um, Renault, yeah. Um, Nick may have had too much, too many profiteroles tonight. A tale of, a ta- oh, I'm fine with that one. A tale of two strategies. Uh, Ricardo started. Ricardo started on the um, softs and didn't. We shouldn't work as well as Ocon starting on the mediums, and so the, the that strategy worked better. Ocon ended ahead after a massive first run of I think 60, 52 laps or 53 laps on the mediums. And then he thought, oh, I'll be really, really quick to the last 12 laps on the softs, but they didn't work. So he ended up not making any places up and staying behind Perez, Sainz and Gasly, who were theoretically overtakable if the tyres had worked. But he did beat Danny for the first or second time this season. Overtakable? Yeah, that's a good word, isn't it? Okay. It's a word now. Absolutely. And uh, so finally, Mercedes. People say, is Lewis Hamilton any good? Is he any good? Is he, you know, is he just lucky to win 92 races out of luck? You know, because he's been lucky and he's actually rubbish. He's been in the right car yeah, at the right time. And someone, Everybody else has someone the bought, car. In, in 1999, someone bought him a cart and he's been lucky ever since. 
he won that race by 25 seconds against a guy who had been all over him for the first two days of the meeting because he's just better. He is better than Bottas, who takes is Takes a bit of time bad. to get going, but he's fine. No, but if you looked at that first couple of laps, he was. that is why he is world champion. That is why he has done... Let me finish. That is why he has finished in the points in the last... Goodness, I've fitted for us. He let people go past because he knew the car wasn't where he needed to be. And he said, I'll work it out later and I'll get it back then. Because he had the supreme comps. He let he didn't fight Bottas. Look at what Verstappen did. Oh, weave across. I'm going to block you. I'm going to knock off. Oh, I'm not, oh, oh, oh. No. You. Just use your brain. It's not working now. I'll work it out. When it does work out, all of the cars come to me. Now, I know for a fact, because I am way better at this one thing than my teammate, which is making my tyres last. We all, you sit there going... Right, we'll give that about 15 laps, and Bottas start going. Oh, well, there he goes. Nick was actually looking at his watch there. <laughs> uh, he's got. He has, in fact, got a, a watch, watch that yeah. that tells the time by laps, which is magnificent. I was going to say that all you needed to know about Hamilton was qualifying. Yeah, exactly. Just outthought him again. Mm-hmm. I'll, 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 yeah, and I think I think you know, there's some some real team Hamilton are better than team Bottas, and Hamilton is better than Bottas. That's not to say Bottas is a bad driver, and that's not to say Hamilton is the greatest of all time, because there's no such thing as the greatest of all time. He is the greatest of his generation. Yeah, maybe. No, he. I, definitely. I, I, he, he's, he's definitely his generation. Effectively, what do you count as his generation then? Who, who's post Schumacher, post two thousand and six. Right, so not Alonso in no, that. No, Alonso is not as good because Alonso... No, no, not Alonso in his generation. No, Alonso is in Hamilton's generation and he's not as good because he failed in one of the most important things in modern F1. Mm. That's building a team around you. Mm. He actually managed to unbuild several teams. Mm. Okay. You know, the reason that Schumacher was so successful and the reason Hamilton's been so successful, they managed to build teams around themselves. And that's what you need to do. Prost um, did the same, of course. Yeah, and, it, and, Mansell. and Senna as well. I mean, it's, it's, you know, the fact is there is no GOAT there can't be a goat because you can't compare. It's impossible. It's a completely different thing. So it's not a greatest of all time. It's greatest of, of his your time. generation. Yeah, and, and, the, and the weird thing is, we all know who the generational greatest are. Because a it's, goik. Re- it's really easy. So not a goik. You just go, go Fangio, goik. Fangio, Clark, Stewart, Lauder, Prost, Senna, Schumacher, um, and then you go a lot, uh, Hamilton. And that's it's easy. We can all live, they're all the greatest of their time. And that's it. But, Clark but and he Stewart is brilliant. But you don't, you don't time, put. So which one was better? No, they weren't. No, because no, 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 no. Stewart was later. Stewart won his three world championships after Clark had well, obviously had passed away. What well, about Jochen Rindt? One, one race wonder. No, no. What about no, John no. The point, now he's the greatest racer of all time because he's the only person to have done it in two classes, in two wheels and four wheels. <sighs> but Vic Elford did it in more classes. Well, I mean, it, we took it world championship. Uh, and you see, and that's why. That whole thing is pointless. But in F1, in F1, you, you can have, you can have... Didn't win anything. You can Overrated. Have, yeah. The point about this is... You massively oh, God. You can Bradley's have, on his way around to yours ge- now with a shotgun. You can't have a he's great... Not loud. You can have a generational best. You can have a generational best. He's got a shotgun, he's fine. And sometimes, that is, with everything, that involves luck. It involves longevity. And I think also, as you move forward, it also involves a little bit of what you gave to the sport when you retired. So if I had to plump for the most important driver of all time who was also really, really good and a world champion. I take Jackie Stewart every time. Absolutely agree. But that's, again, just my opinion. But I would never call him the GOAT as I wouldn't call Fancho and I wouldn't call Senna. But, Very quickly, you know, as we've been sidetracked, salary cap. Yes. Mm. Yes, yeah, not in yet. 
not until 2024. Have I to be a very big cap. Saw this, saw this brilliant thing saying, <laughs> uh, this ridiculous oh, Ham- Hamilton's negotiations, you know, qu- uh, sidetracked and checkmated by the salary cap, which isn't coming in anyway. And also, if you read about it, will have no bearing on previously signed contracts. So if you sign a contract now for five years for a billion dollars, even though in 2024 it'll be a maximum of 30 across both cars, 30 million dollars, doesn't count because you can't change the contracts. But it's like, okay. What? Okay. The idea is, what they're, what they're basically saying is you can have a maximum of 30 million dollars uh, for your two drivers. Um, you've got to pay them and you can mix it any way you want to. And where's the next round? Uh, Imola. With no fans. No fans. Okay. And just two days, just a two-day meeting. Okay. Uh, let's what's happening on Twitter, twi- John? Uh, well, thank you. Tweet Sport <laughs> says, I remember Verstappen called a steward one of those words he, he used he in an interview with Dutch TV after the US Grand Prix in 2017. In fairness, um, Tweet Sport, that doesn't count on Dutch TV because they say the F word in commentary. Mm. It's it's a little bit more relaxed on D- Dutch television. Uh, 24 hours of Sebring, a couple of people pointing out that wood that uh, uh, Nick said, is that the uh, IMSA date? No, I said that. What? Oh, sorry, uh, was that you, Tim? Sorry. Yeah, Tim, that would have been the Encore date. So, yes, that was the, the old Mission and Encore sort of area. So, yes, you were right on that. Sarah Rigby said it's near my birthday as well. Well, that, that means spend some air miles and get out there. Uh, Alexander Orkin says removing Russell for Perez's checkbook would be completely disgraceful. Russell has been punching above his car's weight and deserves a better team, not the sack. In fairness, it's it's uh, not Perez's checkbook, but uh, hey-ho. Um, if Perez doesn't go to Haas, I'll be very, very surprised. American North American money going to a North American team Haas for the first take, time. Haas are going to take Nikita Mazepa, they're going to take Russian money, and they're going to take mm. Mick Schumacher. Okay. Uh, an well. That's what's going to happen, but I'm surprised about it as well. Um, yeah. Admittedly, underpowered illegal engine, but an engine nonetheless. Well, no, because no, this, it'll be different again for next season. It may be, I'm sure it'll be legal, whether it's still underpowered, who knows. Uh, Dave Alcock says, we see brake changes at Bathurst and other uh, uh, races. We've seen Audi train change transmissions in 35 seconds at Le Bargis, <laughs> what you mean. I wonder if we'll see suspension corner replacements at the 24 hours. At We've already seen that, of course, in Creventic Racing because there was one or two cars that had to have suspension uh, replacements over the last couple or three races. Enic Pagusa and... What it's, was quite, it? it's quite common. What yeah, is, what is, in touring what cars, What is common in, in those cars is drive shafts, actually. We get a lot of drive shafts, and they tend to be done because they've, they've over-articulated. And that's touring cars in yeah. particularly, yeah. Um, uh, the responsible adult just told me that something had been cancelled because of the lockdown in... The new lockdown in, in Germany. Oh, Germany. Um, which uh, I, I it's didn't... It's all non-professional act- sporting events have been cancelled. Okay, uh, I'll get some more news on that at the moment. At Specutainment, if you'd like to get in touch with us. Um, let's talk about something that did happen last night, a final round of a championship. The DNLS, the uh, digital Nürburgring Langstrecker series, powered by VCO. Oh, my goodness, what a nine-round series uh, it has been. It was Mining Court, by the way, that's been called off. Eve's just sent up, so it was, friends. Um, what a series that has been. And last night, uh, Bruce and I were watching the final three-hour race. We only had one championship decided. 
and that was in the GT4 category uh, where uh, Sindrisetas and uh, Carl Janssen had already won that last time out, although they did come and race at the weekend. All of the other categories were up for grabs. And an extraordinary finish in the TCR category, SP3T, which was being um, contested by a couple of teams. It literally came down to the last lap. And the two teams that have been battling it out all season were first and second in the darkness, as it was then. Um, just, I, I, I actually can't believe it. Marius Gollenbeck and Kimo Sumanen were driving together. Patrick Kabinji has been in that car for core. And the Sim RC team um, were leading the race at the time as we went into the last lap and got caught up in an accident. I caught up with Marius Gollenbeck and two of the other championship winners in our VCO victory lane. Yeah, that's what I have on my spreadsheet as well. Did you see what happened with Felix? I mean, you guys had been battling all the way through. Nobody wants to see a race or a championship decided like that. But it appeared there was a slow car in trouble right ahead. Uh, yeah, I've, I've seen it live on board with Kimmo. Um, I've seen that there was a damage GT4 just on the racing line, parking it. And uh, I think Felix had no chance of, of avoiding that. And even we, we got tagged up in it but uh, he was way off worse, and uh, that's just unbelievable. I mean, after this whole season, I think we both, we both think that the other one deserves to win, but going down like this, and this is just, I don't know what to say. If, if you can, sum up the season for me. I mean, first of all, it's been massive fun um, with, with Thomas Gibson, who did one round, and then Kimo and Patrick, who did the majority with me together. Um, it's just been great racing all season, especially with SMRC. It's always been yeah, hammer and tongue to the end of the race. I mean, we had two races where it literally came down to the last corner, and it would have gone down to the last corner again today. Um, I don't think it, the whole season could have gone any better, to be honest. Um, I mean, obviously, championship is, is huge, but even performance-wise, we, we made no mistakes throughout the whole season, and that's just a massive effort from the old crew. Thanks to Patrick especially, I mean, he's, he's done the majority of the setup revisement after there was some, some changes on the car. He can't be with us today, um, just tied up in work and everything, and uh, I mean, this win just goes out to him as much as it is to, to Kimo and me. Thank you, Marius Gollenbeck. What a championship and what a way to end the championship drama right to the end. Thank you so much, guys, and thank you for covering the whole season. Uh, it's been a, a complete pleasure, and I'm, I'm sure to rewatch this one. Bruno Spengler, just off the podium, Bruno, but we think you've done enough for the championship for Team BMW Bank. It was a close one, very close one. I mean, I've been uh, a little bit out of sim racing for the last couple of months because I've been very busy traveling to the US for, for uh, the IMSA championship. So... Uh, it was a bit tough. I had to, in the last two days, I had to try and catch up for all the the laps I didn't do in the last month. So I did my the best I could, and obviously it was super important not to not to destroy everything for my mates who have been doing the last three races on their own. Obviously, I did the first ones, the first couple of ones with them, 
Uh, we got some good results together and then they've done a great job, uh, Niels and Kai, in between when I wasn't there. So uh, this race was a very intense one. Um, the, our opponents were super fast, uh, unbelievable. Uh, we took a bit of a hit from a VOP for, for this race, unfortunately, but uh, we still managed to bring it home in P4. Um, so I'm super happy. It's a great, um, it's a great result. It was a tough championship. Um, again, you know, the team Male and Team Williams were super strong all season. It was a good battle. I like it. Um, I hope we can do something similar next year again. And thanks so much to my mega fast teammates, Kai and Niels. They did an awesome job all season. Was uh, was awesome to drive with them to be their teammate. Have you enjoyed it, Bruno? Have you enjoyed the? the whole experience. I know it was born out of us not racing on rail tracks, but it's become, I think, for everybody who weren't already involved, I think it's become a bit more than that, hasn't it? Definitely much more. I mean, I have enjoyed that season, let's say this kind of off-season on the sim racing a lot. I learned so much because I, you know, I really started doing iRacing and sim racing at the end of 2019. So I'm a, I'm a quite fresh, fresh into iRacing, into sim racing. But uh, I enjoyed that season so much. I learned so much from my teammates from B with BS Competition, uh, and I'm sure I'm convinced that this kind of um, this kind of training on the simulator with the iRacing and with my mates uh, is making me a better driver in real life too. Um, so I'm really I'm really enjoying the season. It's awesome. Bruno Spengler, what a season it's been for him. Let's have another couple of winners and indeed series champion Carl Janssen, Sindra Setsas. Carl, you finished it off tonight in the dark. Been a been a wonderful season. Um, I don't think we really could have hoped for this much when we started off with the uh, DNLS, but uh, it's been a fantastic season. Great competition, like the whole season. Um, the organization has been great too. Uh, social media work has been been on a very high note, and yeah, also your broadcasting has been really, 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 really good. So. You know, um, I think this whole thing coming together is uh, is really good, and uh, yeah, it's been a great, uh, great uh, championship. It's very nice of you to say, but I'll say to you two who are in the booth with us now, on behalf of all the drivers, you've made it very easy for us. It's been tremendously entertaining and exciting. Um, we've covered it in the way that we would cover any other race because you guys put so much work in. Sindra, what a season. How, how can you sum, sum that up in this DNLS powered by VCO Championship? Crazy. Uh, for us as core sim racing to win seven out of nine races in this class is unbelievable. Mind you, with two different cars, obviously, but uh, once we got... We didn't get the permission to field two cars anymore when uh, that many teams wanted to race, which I fully understand that a lot of people wanted to race this when there was no other racing going on. And we had to put all our focus into this car. And yeah, we after putting all the focus into one car, we've just absolutely smashed it out of the park, I think. And I love seeing Core win in TCR as well, bringing home two championships from this uh, series. Uh, Mind you, maybe not as we would have hoped to win with uh, the SMRC car getting there, wrecked out in the end there. But uh, even though it's a it's a win nonetheless, and to come away with two championships from two cars we've entered in this series is amazing, amazing for the team. Yeah, it's been great. Well done, Sindra. Thank you. Well done, Carl. Thanks for joining us, uh, and best of luck. We'll see you next series. I hope you'll want to come back and defend.
Yeah, we're, we're thinking of uh, of coming back. Um, we have a few different uh, options we're thinking about, so we'll see what's what's coming up. Uh, so that's our VCO victory lane there. Bad luck at SimRC. Felix Luding, who went out in that accident, as a couple of the drivers there uh, mentioned. However, there was better news in the Cup 2 category uh, where Claudius Veed and Simon Grossman uh, beat Martin Asher and Marcus Yiddach for the championship uh, and that was the SimRC team above the Asher Racing team. Although in fairness, both teams are supported by Asher Racing. I'm talking about the second series of the Digital Nürburgring Endurance Series uh, with VCO. That will start on the 28th of November, 19th of December, 16th of January, 20th of February and 6th of March. Exactly Tip. one month away from today. And yes. uh, if you're interested in all things sim racing, then tune into the Tour Radio Show at 8pm tomorrow night here on RS1, uh, where they'll have updates on WRC9, and they'll be joined by uh, sim racer and real-life racer David Pittard. Now, as you know, here on Radio Show Limited and our network of audio and visual channels, uh, we cover a wide variety of motorsport. And down through the years, historic motorsport has been a part of that with our uh, pioneering coverage of the uh, Le Mans Classic, uh, of the uh, Monaco Historics, of course, of the Porsche events uh, in the States at Rennsport. And even at the weekend, uh, we had... Uh, Peter Snowden, Joe Bradley and myself at the hastily uh, arranged classic RACTT. Well done to Duncan Wilshire uh, and the rest of the team for that. However, we are not satisfied with that and we want to give you more classic uh, events. So tonight, a brand new show as the highly respected historic racing news website debuts the HRN radio show here on RS1. Straight after Midweek Motorsport, and earlier today, I spoke to the founder of HRN, Paul Tarsi, and asked him what we can expect of the radio show. Historic Motorsport has two distinct caps. One is that it's about looking back at the world of motorsport as it used to be. And there's a lot of that and there's a lot of history and there's some brilliant stories about what has gone gone by in years before and then there is the world of historic motorsport of things that are happening now with people racing and loving old cars and those two things are quite different but obviously they're under the same under the same roof so yes you can hear we're not going to do race reports because i think Race reports tend, you know, you can find those wherever you want to, but it will be about the feel. It will be about just the way things are at a historic race meeting. And I know that a lot of people just get a buzz out of walking around and, yeah. and looking at cars, either at the very prestigious things like the Silverstone Classic and the Goodwood events, where you walk around and you think, I've seen this, this car in photographs before, but I've never seen it in the flesh. And there's, there's a few of those, and we'll be trying to relive some of those moments. But also that there are so many great and wonderful drivers' cars from history, um, which 
in some ways are not around anymore. Yes, so I think yes. it's 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 all of that. And we've we've seen um, the sad demise of Sterling Moss in the in the last few weeks, and that that is a passing which I think is is something there will never be another Sterling Moss. No. And, and I think we need to acknowledge those kind of things. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you in terms of, of getting the atmosphere and, and getting the atmosphere across. Bizarrely, and this is going to sound bizarre to a lot of people listening, when I was at the, the Classic TT, working at the Classic TT, one of the Duncan, Duncan Wilshire events that was uh, put on at very short notice at Silverstone at the weekend, wandering around the touring car at Paddock and then finding out that one car in particular wasn't there and being terribly disappointed because it was a Renault 5 GT Turbo. <laughs> of, of all the exotica that was out there, and trust me, there was plenty, um, that was the one that I wanted to see race because it was so unusual. It was Immaculate as well in the in the Reggie colours. Who's going to be helping you out on this? What what whose voices are we going to hear on this? You obviously, uh, but who's going to be helping you out? You you don't get away with not having me, mate. You know that one. Absolutely, um, no sure without punch ball. Come on. <laughs> Paul Jurd is my uh, my partner in crime in most things motorsport, and Paul and I have been running Historic Racing News dot com for some years now and so paul will be helping me out but we're also going to be getting out and about and talking to all sorts of different people so we'll be talking to some of those individuals who go out and sell those glorious cars we talk about some of those people who own and drive some of those cars and also some of the people who write about the uh, the cars and the people that we love. So it's going to be an eclectic mix. And I think that one of the things that, that I've learned from uh, everything that you've done with Midweek Motorsport is it's about being in touch with your audience. And we're very, very keen to hear from people, from people mainly on our Facebook uh, page as to what we can do and that we'll we have the facebook page we have a twitter uh page we have a channel on youtube and of course we have historicracingnews.com so keen to hear from people as to as to what they want but i think uh, certainly to start with that's the the flavor that we'll be looking for now, don't give too much away because we want people to stay tuned in after uh, Midweek Motorsport tonight. But where are you going to take us uh, on this first episode? Having said that we're all about historic cars and people <laughs> and everything else, one of the things is we're going to be looking at all the hype that has been going on with Louise Hamilton um, and the, the record-breaking stuff that, uh, that Lewis has done last weekend. And to look at that and look at that in a historical perspective. Put that into some context. Yeah, because there are so many Grand Prix now that it's it's going to be churlish to say it's not difficult to get to the sort of numbers that he has. But But the numbers that he achieved and Michael Schumacher before him were in an era where we had 18, 20, 22 plus mm. Grand Prix a season. And you have to look at just how it was in years gone by when you might have had eight Grand Prix a season. So to quantify how successful people are, 
have a look at the percentages. And we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about the percentages of entries to win. And I'll let one little cat out of the bag is that Lewis Hamilton isn't at the top of the list. Mm, okay, well, well, we'll leave, we'll leave it. We'll leave it from that. Uh, lots to go at, Paul. Thank you very much for coming on board uh, and being uh, being part of what we do here. So that's going to be following us tonight on Midweek Motorsport, the first episode of the uh, historic racing news radio show. It will also be archived as a podcast. And then after this week, it'll be the last Wednesday of every month. Can't wait to hear it, Paul. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for everything that you've done. And thank you for giving us this opportunity to get on board with all of your listeners. And we hope that uh, we can make it a huge success. Oh, sorry, you caught me off guard there. It's Midweek Motorsport, and here's what's coming up. Well, after Midweek Motorsport tonight, as you've heard, it is the first historic racing news radio show with Paul Tarsi and Paul Jurd, uh, and that'll be on the podcast as well. Coming up in hour number two, Shea Adam will join us. Apparently, we might get some NASCAR tonight. What's that going to do to the rest of the season? IMSA at the weekend, we'll be looking forward to that. Uh, Nick will be looking back at uh, bikes that happened last weekend. And Jeremy Shaw will join us as we look back on the IndyCar finale uh, on the streets, the concrete canyons of St. Petersburg. We'll look back at the race uh, and also some news from IndyCar as well. But next, Jim Cameron. On RadioLeMond.com. Delighted to say that joining us once again on Midweek Motorsports, the man at the head of Mission Motorsports, uh, is Jim Cameron. Normally at this time of the year, Jim, we are talking about the running to Anglesey, uh, Race of Remembrance. You're telling me which well-known racing drivers are going to put their skills uh, against members of the uh, lesser talented driving fraternity, the beneficiaries that's getting involved, still going to happen, sort of? Now, a month ago, we, we took the decision that, that it wasn't going to be possible to be able to hold a race at, at Anglesey, which was an early decision, really, to help people plan as much as anything else. I mean, the huge numbers of people who put their heart and soul into upending their lives and going to to North Wales at that time of year, you know, take time off. We've had to respond to it and go, well, okay, well, what are we, what are we going to do about it? COVID has taken that endurance race away from us, but by God, we're still going to do a remembrance service. So really excited to be working with Bark and others to be able to deliver a streamed service of remembrance from the pit lane. It's going to be from Thruxton. It will go out Sunday the 8th from 10.45 will then be streaming live in order to be able to help all of those beneficiaries and the people who would have otherwise been with us together in the pit lane at Anglesey. They'll be able to come together virtually online and we'll be able to mark that remembrance event as well. There's all sorts of other exciting activity that are going on. Jason Fox, him off of the telly, and now media pundit of some repute after the SBS's um, exciting time in the Solon um, and uh, off Southampton earlier on this week is going to be uh, helping us replicate something of the biathlon of foolishness on the Saturday by running a PT session for some very misguided individuals on Salisbury Plain on the Saturday. It's all important and it's all part of, of raising a bit of money. 
we have got to remind everybody here, Jim, that there was always an element of getting Mission Motorsport visible and also raising some money. So how do people help in a year where I'm absolutely certain that all of our listeners uh, have had calls on their time and their wallets, purses, bank accounts and, and charitable giving, but they may still have a few pennies or pounds here and there. How do they get involved? That's absolutely where you can look into leaning into either helping some of the incredible things that are happening. So, you know, Andy Graham, of course, Beer Mountain, such wonderful supportive of, of us for so long. And of course, they're really, they were feeling that, uh, you know, lack of Le Mans, uh, the normal opportunities that they would have had to do it. You know, Andy's by giving of himself for charity. I think he's got a sponsored getting getting smaller aim as he's, he's looking to shift some of those lockdown pounds. We've got Dave Monks, you know, a, a race of remembrance stalwart, uh, you know, formerly lead development engineer at, at uh, Rolls-Royce Motor Cars. He's out with BMW in Germany at the moment. He's off to go and tab around a, um, a large piece of Bavaria over 12 hours as he's challenging himself to do that. The Bad Obsession Motorsport guys are doing an incredible thing, which we'll, we'll be hearing about over the course of the next week too. You know, they, it's those incredible fabrication gods on YouTube who've been making this incredible car. And people can do their own stuff. But we don't mind, you know. Um, look into the website, all the rest of it. There is a Virgin page. Um, there is a Virgin uh, donations page, which is there where you can contribute towards that big total um, to help us make up the difference for that. But we've also, of course, taken some of our racing online. So we've got an incredible impassioned group on Xbox who are doing a series of racing across the weekend. And they'll be doing a, a marathon session again, which will be interrupted by that remembrance service. But on iRacing, we're pulling together something with a beneficiary and a guy that some of your listeners might know, Graham Sesford, who's already been doing great work, which is helping to pull together proper gaming events. And so we're going to do an iRacing six-hour race. Uh, it will begin at 9 o'clock on the morning of the 8th and run through to 3 p.m. But with a safety car that will go out, that will gather the cars together, and then all of those races we'll have the opportunity to uh, come together and we will stream that service of remembrance that will go out to everything. Really excited to be able to offer an iRacing race that will feel as close as we can to race of remembrance in terms of the, um, the cars which are, um, that people can go. I think there's three classes. Obviously, there's an MX-5 option uh, uh, to be able to go out and do it. People will be able to do livery. We'll do a livery competition. We'll give some real prizes on the back of that and um john i think we've we've secured um we've secured some commentary as well now is that going to be open to anybody who's got an iRacing account or are you going to drag some names in or is it going to be a bit of both we've got 50 places we're talking to some all sorts of people um you know race of remembrance always attracts a strong entry and some stars of, of motorsport everything from indycar to um past olympians to uh, to touring car um, stars who make up the, uh, you know, help to make up the grid every year. Expect to see them featuring. Expect to see some Mission Motorsport beneficiaries. Expect to see some service teams participating. And I've just had a, um, I just actually come off the phone with the RAF Motorsport Association that's looking at how they can get uh, servicemen involved and engaged with it. But this is open to other people to come in as well. Like Race of Remembrance, this absolutely is open for folks to come along to contribute to fundraise themselves. It's 50 quid for an entry, but you will find yourself on the grid alongside 
some extraordinary people who are racing, both in terms of household names that you'll know, uh, but also in terms of some of our population who are taking part of it, you know, very much who are on their own recovery journey, who are part of that race of remembrance story. Because this isn't really just how sort of a charity marks remembrance. It's, it's about how we as a motorsport community mark remembrance. And I'll take you back, John, if I may. You know, you and I stood not far away from each other in the pit lane at, at, at Anglesey and in a weekend of appalling weather, and the sun came out and it just went quiet and you could hear the waves on the, on the thing down below and uh, you could hear a pin drop and it's incredibly moving. We will be doing that at Thruxton. Those are the people who are going to be participating. The thing that really continues to move me at Race of Remembrance is where you now see crowds of five, six, seven hundred strong in the pits at Anglesey. It's not just the front rank. It's not just those who've got putting headdress on, who are putting medals on, who are attending a remembrance service where perhaps they've not been able to do that kind of thing since they've been putting one of their compatriots into the back of a, an aircraft at, at, at Bastion under a flag. It, it's the incredible strength of feeling that, that comes from the wider community of people who care, yeah. who feel part of that, who wear a poppy. And please, if you haven't worked out how to get one from the Royal British Legion this year, the service charities, and particularly the Royal British Legion, are going to be incredibly impacted by uh, the restrictions that COVID bring on poppy sales and stuff like that. Go on their website. You can download stuff online. They'll send stuff to you. Make sure you're wearing a poppy this year, please, and that you encourage others to do so. We all come together at that time and we think about those things that are important to us and those things which we've sacrificed and that have been lost. And it, it is so profoundly moving. Let's do that together uh, in the way that we normally would, but we'll, we'll connect instead in person in Thruxton, if you can do, or online. It'd be amazing. I've always believed very strongly, and you know this, Jim, that we who don't get sent away to do the things that we send our military to do. We have a covenant and it's a very important part of of our military service men and women going to serve that if they do come back in slightly less better condition than when we sent them out to do the things that we sometimes don't want to think about, mm. then we have to get involved. And whether that's being involved financially, of course, but it's also that support that you were talking about. And for people who perhaps haven't seen a Mission Motorsport Race of Remembrance service, be involved in it, be part of it, show support, because that's what we can do from the other side of things. Thanks, mate. And this, I mean, COVID, God, is, is, is a nightmare for all sorts of reasons, but it also is an opportunity. And if it gives us the opportunity to take that wonderful thing which we do in Anglesey, but actually make it accessible and open to a much bigger audience of people across the country, mm. um, then then actually, you know, let's let's look on this as a blessing and just and just absolutely make the most of it and and see what we can do in order to come together to be able to help these population of people and their families that that, that we we care so much about. Uh, Heidi, you mentioned a really important word, a covenant, which is a promise, which is in between. Correct. Um, uh, that, that that we hold for those who've served in the armed forces. Of course, Silverstone in February uh, signed the Armed Forces Covenant, um, have hosted events specifically for the military and are finding all sorts of amazing ways in which to help and support that community. Um, Bark are going to be doing their own covenant signing and really um, uh, for them to be able to host in Thruxton 
this amazing thing which which they're going to be doing is 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 a great and positive step on that journey and i'm just very grateful for them to it if people out there listening are thinking hey how can this apply to us there is a very good mod website i don't get to say that very often so i, I enjoy doing it but uh, armed forces covenant if you stick that into google it will take you straight there but if we can help you in getting the best out of that to work out how it's relevant to you uh, and your business, then please get in touch with Mission Motorsport through our website and we'll do everything that we can to help. And that's www.missionmotorsport, all one word, missionmotorsport.org.org. Uh, there are uh, similar organisations in the US for those of you listening out there, but go to missionmotorsport.org. That should always be your first port of call. Jim, keep on doing the good work, mate, and best of luck to everybody. I think you can probably stick us down for a Radio Show Limited team in that eye racing we'll we'll cobble we'll cobble some uh, we'll cobble some staff together we've got one or two who are a bit tidy i don't think they're brilliant but they're they're a bit tidy yeah but this is an endurance race john as you know it's not the quickest lap that's going to win it so um joyous thank you very much indeed um uh, thanks very much indeed to the wider community it's hugely hugely appreciated no problem, Jim. Jim Cameron, Mission Motorsport, joining us, www.missionmotorsport.org. And I can tell you um, that uh, I've been talking to Graham Sess for the date, Sess, uh, and we will be doing the commentary on that six hour, as as you heard uh, Jim intimate there in that interview. Uh, and uh, that is the... Uh, 7th and the 8th, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it's the 8th, hours, yes. Yeah. Sunday. So, you up for that? Yeah, I've got Graventic Sebring on the Saturday, so why not? Right, six hours on the Sunday? Yeah, I know Joe wants to do it. Uh, I think he's busy with a cart race. No, it's on Saturday, I think. Oh, really? oh, no, is it national? It might be two days on there. Yeah. I'm not sure. Well, you might have to find someone else. Am I, am I not commentating then? Well, I thought you'd be racing. Oh, I don't know. I've got to find a team, haven't I? I've got to dig a team up. Right, okay. Uh, all, all fine. Uh, still to come, we'll have Jeremy Shaw uh, talking about IndyCar. We'll get him on the line from California in just a moment. Home team's doing a wee bit better. 1-0-0-0-1-1-0-1-1-0-1-2 now. Uh, but the early results, not good. And aren't going to change either. No, because they're, <laughs> they're full-time. Uh, so that's not going to happen. Uh, so, when Tim, uh, uh, let's go to Shea, shall we? Oh, hang, hang on. on. You're well, supposed to ask me where next. Uh, well, well, if if you're going to go to share, then I actually need to get a, uh, in on the line. Otherwise, well, while we do that, I'll do this. Go on. Oh. That's the swinging symbol. It is, which means it's the race for the chase for the cup for the rain delay. For the thing. <laughs> for the thing. Uh, because mm. Sunday's NASCAR race at Texas Motor Speedway uh, has only just started. And Trey Adam, they're already under caution, aren't they? Share. Uh, sure. Already under caution? Uh, yes, yes. That lasted, um, well, not a very long time, to be perfectly honest. Um, there was a little bit of a tip between Matt Kenseth and, uh, well, Started out with Denny Hamlin giving Matt Kenseth a shove, which then resulted in Matt turning into Bubba Wallace, who was not very happy that he got run into. Uh, so, yep, now they're back. Hang on, he turned into Bubba Wallace. What, just like, you know, whoosh and a bit of fairy dust? Metamorphosis. It, it wasn't a magical... 
<laughs> not um, like waving a magic in... wand. No, not like that type of thing. No. No, not like that. Thankfully, although that would have been very funny. Um, he just sort of turned left down the track as, as one tends to do when you're in a car that's heavily slanted towards the left and you get a nudge from straight behind and it just caught Bubba and now Bubba's out too. So Matt Kenseth's car looks a bit like a Coke vending machine. There was a lot of brown liquid spewing out of it, oh. so not very good. But good news for Clint Boyer is that he's led this race for more than three days and he continues to lead this race. Um What's going to happen to the next race, Cher? Uh, well, it's already been delayed, so that's going to happen <laughs> on Monday now, if uh, all goes according to plan. That one, I believe, is Martinsville, uh, the last round of this championship playoff. Joey Logano has already punched his playoff ticket. He's in the Final Four, and I keep wanting to say the Final Four at Homestead. It's Phoenix this year for the final race of the championship. Um, and trying to join him, well, let's just put it this way. The two guys leading the field right now, Clint Boyer and Eric Jones, they're not in this hunt, but Martin Truex Jr. is, and he's in third, and he is very hungry for a win. Mm, okay. Tim? Oh, no, Tim. No, I'll open my microphone and uh, continue <laughs> talking. Oh, I'll yeah, return all good. to the start of that sentence and say uh, Kyle Larson is returning to NASCAR with Hendrick Motorsport. Yeah, you talk about a ban ending and coming back to a dream situation. So he left Ganassi when he was um, basically, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Suspended indefinitely from NASCAR. He has served his penance. He's gone to school and gone to detention and now is doing a lot of work with various charities to try and rectify the situation. And whether or not you believe that what he's done is enough to make up for what he said he is back and in a ride that most NASCAR fans would saw a limb off for. They are going to be in the number five Hendrix Motorsport Chevrolet. So just let that sink in for a minute. Hendrix has gone from having great drivers like Jimmy Johnson, Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Jeff Gordon to having their big three with um, Chase Elliott, William Byron. And uh, who's the guy in the 88? I can't remember right now. Oh, this is terrible. William Byron, Jason. Um, but they've they've got a big three. And now they're adding a fourth driver in Kyle Larson. But Kyle is going to pretty much be the elder statesman of the team. The whole team is going to be well under the age of 30. Mm. Very good. You're still thinking about that fourth driver, aren't you? Oh, there won't be an 88 Driving me next crazy. season. Yeah, all right. Uh, at Spectatement, if you can... Alex Bowman. Alex oh, Bowman there correct. you go. Alex Bowman. Well done. Well yeah. done. Uh, <laughs> and what else have you got for Shay? We'll, uh, we'll do some IMSA stuff with Shay uh, a little bit later on in the show. Uh, but now All let's right. go to IndyCar. And to help us look at IndyCar, which had its finale on the streets of St. Pete at the weekend, Jeremy Shaw joins us. Thanks for joining us, Jeremy. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you very much. Um, the finale uh, for 2020, first of all, Thank goodness we got an NTT IndyCar series completed. Uh, the finale came down to the battle for the championship between Joseph Nugan, defending champion, and multiple champion Scott Dixon, who, despite having an awful run uh, coming up into the finale, managed to do enough to take yet another championship. Let, let's reflect on those two gentlemen first of all. What battle it's been between them, particularly in the second half of the season. 
Yeah, it's been absolutely epic. Uh, really tremendous season. Uh, uh, great that it's all, all in the books. I mean, for a long time, there, it wasn't looked like it was even going to start. And the other good news, of course, is that they did actually finally race at St. Petersburg. That was the only street circuit of the year. So it was certainly good to get that one in. And yeah, it was a fascinating contest. I mean, Dixie came out of the, out of the box really, really strong. Uh, yeah, he was he was never off the pace. He certainly struggled uh, in qualifying, particularly at the Indianapolis Harvest Grand Prix, uh, the, the, the two races j- just prior to St. Petersburg. Uh, but even then, he came away with top 10 finishes and you know, did kind of what he had to do. And, you know, I think on Sunday, it, w- it was a, you know, a classic Dixon performance. And, yes. and by the entire Chip, target, Chip Ganassi, oh, excuse me, not target, Chip Ganassi racing team, because, uh, you know, they, they knew what they had to do. That was their focus. They weren't trying to win the race. They weren't trying to do anything spectacular, particularly after a, a pretty mediocre qualifying run again. Uh, and But Dixon pulled off some great passes during the race. The strategy was absolutely perfect. And he comes away with another podium finish and the championship. Well-deserved. Yeah, and, you know, in, in some ways, a, a slightly un-Dixie and un-Chip Ganassi last part of the season. And all down to that to these failures in qualifying. Now, in fairness, not always their fault. Red flags and the vagaries of the split qualifying session can really throw a spanner uh, in in the works. But at the end of the, se- I mean, by the end of the season, you've got to say that the points on the board early on were, were what clinched it for the another championship for for the for the Kiwi. Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. I mean, you know, it was it was kind of a tale of two halves of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, the first half was all Ganassi, the second half was pretty much all Penske, um, and you know, it shows in all the championships. You know, the manu- the, the uh, manufacturers championship that was really tight at the end as well. You know, Honda won the first uh, four races of the season, and uh, Chevrolet won uh, f- five of the last six. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but it it was super tight all the way through the year, and. Yes, it it was those, those three wins in a row that that you know that that won Dixon the championship ultimately. But come what may, you know those are the two best drivers right now in the series, no question about it in my book. Um, and uh, you know, and it was those two that came away, you know, with the top two, and it was it was a really really good fight once again. You know, it came down to Ganassi and Penske again, but uh, you know, it, it was a tremendous season and a fitting way, I think, to finish off the year in St. Pete. Yeah, totally agree with that and that circuit not your typical straight track turned up some decent racing uh, at the weekend uh, no disgrace for joseph newgarden in losing to uh, such a a juggernaut that is chip ganassi and particularly chip ganassi and scott dixon uh, do you think he'll be he looking anywhere in the season where he says ah but if only uh, I, I sense that joseph isn't isn't like that to be honest that he'll say you know i lost it's all back to zero next year let's crack on for for another championship yeah uh, yeah absolutely right yeah i think uh, he will have he has absolutely no regrets i mean you look at the stats on the season uh you know they uh, they uh, they both had uh, four wins uh podium finishes Dixon edged it seven to six. You might say that was what uh, clinched it for him in the end. Mm. Uh, pole positions, you know, Joseph won more poles. He had three poles. Fastest laps, there were two to Dixon and one to Newgarden. So, you know, they were uh, they were well spread through the season. I mean, the fastest lap thing kind of is, a, is an interesting indicator, I think. Yeah, there were 14 races during the season. Only two drivers got more than one fastest lap during the year. That's, that's always, it's not, 
necessarily relevant to anything, but it's it's always interesting, I think. It just shows how competitive this championship is. Yes, indeed. Ultimately, 16 points was the deficit uh, at the end of the season. Um, y- you mentioned Chip Ganassi Racing. Big news for Chip, Chip Ganassi. Kavana coming in for... Uh, a season in 2021 for which the principal driver, at least on the street and road courses, is going to be Jimmy Johnson. Yes. Um, you know, I guess I guess that's exciting. Um, I, I, I'm not terribly excited about it, to be perfectly honest. I, yeah, I like people to, to earn their opportunities. Mm. Uh, now, Dixon, has, has, I mean, excuse me, uh, um, you know, Jimmy Johnson has certainly, certainly uh, had a fantastic season in the, in the NASCAR championship, but does that qualify him for a ride in the in the NTT IndyCar series against all the guys that have come through the open wheel ranks? No, I don't think it does, quite frankly. So I'm a bit disappointed that uh, some of the other guys, you know, some other people haven't got an opportunity to really you know, make a name for themselves. Uh, but uh, but nevertheless, yes, it is big news. And you know, from from as as a as somebody who loves racing, um, whatever form. Uh, you know, it's great to see another champion involved with uh, with the NTT IndyCar Series. So, yes, I think it, it it might draw some fans in, and it's certainly going to be interesting to see how 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 Jimmy does uh, in the 2021 season. Yeah, has a bit of open wheel uh, in his demon distant past, of of course, and he doesn't mind cars moving around uh, underneath him as well. Does he get a slight pass from you, Jeremy, to the, in that he's Without him, they probably wouldn't have had the sponsor and therefore they probably wouldn't have had the car and it gives somebody an opportunity to do the oval races, which Jimmy says he's not going to do. Uh, I hope so, yes. Uh, you know, it's certainly great to see uh, new sponsorship involved. I mean, I think, you know, it, it's that, that's that's always a... Uh, in this day and age, particularly, it's great when we have new sponsors aboard. So yeah, that's fantastic that they are uh, you know stepping aboard uh, with Jimmy, and, and no doubt he's going to get him a lot of uh, a lot of press and publicity. I, I hope he can deliver. I think he probably, uh, I think he'll de- deliver. I'm sure you know he's got the right uh, approach to it. I mean, Jimmy, he's not somebody who takes this lightly. He's he's no. not. This is not just a sort of a you know a fun way to finish to round out his career. No. You know, he's uh, please don't get me wrong on that one. He's taking it seriously, and, and I'm sure will do absolutely everything within his power to make sure that he is competitive and and you know and shows as well as as he should do as a as a you know as a what seven time champion in in, in NASCAR. So um, you know, I think uh, there's no no doubts about that side of things. Uh, but uh, you know, because he's only doing the road courses. He's uh, he's not going to be uh, relevant to the championship reckoning, and and you know um, I I don't understand why he re- why he wouldn't want to be doing the, the the ovals. Quite frankly, I mean you either in or you're out. Well, yeah. Uh, in my book, uh, and you know he he's an oval racer. You know he's done he's done fine on the road courses. Obviously, he's done very well on the road courses in NASCAR. But you know he's the, the NASCAR championship, particularly up until the last couple of years, has been very much predominantly oval. So why he wouldn't want to do those? I guess it's down to uh, you know, he doesn't feel comfortable on the ovals. And I don't know. So, yeah, I, I have kind of mixed feelings personally about it. Yeah. But I, th- I certainly do think it's great for the sport. Uh, and do you think he was, he was somewhat on in the fan base in, in stock car racing? He, he was somewhat of a polarizing figure. There was nobody who sort of thought he was all right. Um, it was a bit love it or hate. It. Not quite a Jeff Gordon figure, but but there, there was you know, a lot of doubters and haters with him. And maybe that just comes along with winning multiple championships. Do, do you think in, in terms of the fan base, he's likely to be well received in NTT IndyCar? 
That's a very good question. Um, you know, certainly he was—he—he he wasn't known as Mister Excitement, was he? No. Um, and uh, so I can't really see that change. You know, you know, his personality is what it is. He's—he's he's very serious about his racing. That's mm. the number one goal for him: is to be competitive. Um, he doesn't really worry too much about the extraneous stuff. So, you know, presumably he's not going to have too many distractions there. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I think you know a lot of people. You know, a lot of race fans in general will 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 want to see him trying something different. And, yeah. You know, I mean, look look how much credibility Al- Alonso has got from from doing all the different stuff that he's done over the last two or three years. It's it's raised his profile, I think, even more than it was before. And, and I think Jimmy uh, perhaps sees this as, as a similar perhaps opportunity. I always think it's interesting when somebody who's been very successful in one form of the sport. Is in some ways brave enough to go to something else because he's, you know, he's putting his reputation on the line. As is uh, an, another uh, young or a young driver uh, in the shape of Scott McLaughlin, who has just won the uh, V8 or the Supercars, as it's called now, uh, Aussie Supercars Championship, and pretty much hot off uh, the winning the championship at Bathurst a couple of weekends ago went to the States, had a test and was racing at the weekend. He brings the uh, Penske Shell sponsorship from his uh, Ford Mustang. Um, news that Penske are winding up their operations in the supercars and that's an additional car as well. Another Kiwi superstar uh, for the Antipodeans to follow in NTT IndyCar, Jeremy. Yeah, very much so. And you know he's, he's massively popular massively popular down down under and i think with his personality he's going to get a, a pretty good following up here as well uh you know he's you know there's another one you know is he ready for this level of competition um you know the tests i mean seriously impressive mm-hmm. you know at sebring and at Turkey, the americas right on the ultimate pace well this weekend was a bit of a bit of a a down-to-earth moment for for scotty because he he uh, Qualifying didn't go his way, and then uh, nor did the race either. He was he was running fine. I thought it was really interesting early in the race that, that Team Penske brought him into the pits off sequence with everybody else, committed him to a three-stop strategy during, during this race, which clearly, unless something weird happens, wasn't going to be the way to go in terms of getting the ultimate result. But I thought for him it was absolutely the right call because it got him away from everybody else, out of his own. He can learn a lot more. Uh, rather than just following people around and being unable to pass or maybe trying to make a pass that didn't work out. Mm. He was able to get himself up to speed and I think learn a lot more running sort of on his own for for a goodly portion of the race. Then, of course, when the cautions came later on, kind of messed up the race. And, you know, unfortunately, he he got caught out at turn one and had to spin and and took out uh, Reedus VK as well, which was rather unfortunate. And and so he, he certainly didn't cover himself with glory this weekend on the racetrack. But, uh, you know, and, and I think that should be a bit of a lesson for Jimmy, quite Jimmy Johnson, yeah, quite yes. frankly, because, you know, it's not as easy as it looks. And, and particularly after being absolutely stellar in those test sessions, you know, it all came crashing down to earth. But, you know, Scott, Scotty McLaughlin, he's at the, the other end of his career. He's still young, for goodness sake. Yep. Uh, and, uh, you know, has a big future ahead of him. And, you know, hats off to, to, to I think, to Penske again for giving him this opportunity. But like I say, you know, Roger Penske... Um, 
uh, other than you know, he's given he's given some drivers breaks, but he wait waits until they're absolutely proven before he gives any, any opportunity. That to me is disappointing. Uh, I'd like to see him bring on some of these talented youngsters that are around in the sport right now um, over someone like Scotty McLaughlin. But yeah. that yeah, but at least he's coming kind of from within the Penske ranks, so to speak. So you know, I can see absolutely why they're doing it, and I think again he's going to be he's going to be good news for this championship moving forward. I, I think his attitude at the weekend, even when he knew he'd made mistakes will win him a lot of fans. You mentioned VK yeah. uh, there as well, uh, being involved in that. Now, there is a genuine talent who has come up through the ladder. And the good news is that Ed Carpenter Racing have managed to retain his services for 2021. He had an inauspicious start uh, at the start of the year. But my goodness, he's learned quickly. And for Ed Carpenter, I think that's that's good that he's got him there I, I i must you must think that there was a few other teams sniffing around there but back with uh ecr for 2021 yeah you know, i mean readers is you know he's he's a, a pretty loyal sort of a character i think even as young Great. as he is uh, and you know it, it was it was ed carpenter that gave him that gave him the opportunity to come into indycar you know obviously you know, he's had sponsorship all the way through his career uh, uh but you know he so he's you know he's he has the backing to move to not wherever he wants because uh, there's not that many teams that have the opportunities or had the opportunities one year ago. So hats off, hats off to Ed for, for doing that. You know, he's done a really, really good job after those early mistakes. And, uh, you know, so he, he absolutely is deserving of this of this opportunity next year. And I hope that Ed Carpenter racing, it's been a, a, a kind of an up and down year for that team. No question about it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think having that stability is going to be good for the team, and uh, and for Renus. And you know, he's he, he definitely has the skills. It's interesting to me that also in the race on Sunday, his team also elected to bring him in off strategy and yes. commit to a three-stop race. Now, that I think was a bit of a hail mary for him. It was a completely different reasons for doing that. Uh, if the cautions had fallen fallen the right way, he could have been right up at the front, uh, and uh, and potentially challenging challenging for the win. I suppose you could say that McLaughlin's team was was taking that same approach, but uh, I think that's a bit of a stretch, quite frankly, given he'd never driven on that on that street on that track before. Yes. Renus, on the other hand, he's had success on the streets of St. Pete before, so that was kind of a legitimate ploy to get him perhaps into a front-running position after qualifying had not gone the way he had uh, expected. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the race at the weekend. I always do, I've got to say. Um, nice to see uh, the racing at the front of the field, I thought was outstanding. Um, obviously, people get a little bit frustrated uh, in the midfield. Joseph did what, you know, almost exactly what he needed uh, to do. And, you know, that's a good springboard for for next year. I do think it's interesting the way that uh, IndyCar are going and maybe we can talk about that when we do the review and preview with you, Jeremy, with, you know, a couple of uh, of, of foreigners coming in. Uh, another Kiwi, uh, the European in Renus VK, the IndyCar trying to broaden its appeal with, uh, with Jimmy Johnson uh, as well. Interesting times for IndyCar? Yeah, very much so. And, and let, let just... just... Well, wrapping up on St. Pete, a few interesting thing. Other interesting things, I think, was number one how Andretti Autosport imploded yes. in the final portion of the race. That was that was bizarre. I mean, they had that race in the bag, wrapped up, sealed, ready to go. Three cars, top three, and uh, yeah, they all threw it away. Mm. Extraordinary. Yes. Really, really bizarre end to the season. And and at the other end of the spectrum, also with Andretti Autosport, uh, was Marco Andretti. Um, who you know did a 
brilliant job in the middle of the race and then of course got taken out you know got, got involved in an incident at the end and that all turned to uh, to dust for him as well you know that final there was a final position on the on the leader circle package which is kind of guaranteed minimum purse for uh, i think it's 20 uh, teams uh, and he was kind of on on the fringe of that and and had it won halfway through the race and then it all went away from him and uh, and a brilliant drive by Sebastian Bourdais secured that final place on the leader circle for, for AJ Foyt Racing, who, by complete contrast, had a really good final race of the season after a dismal year all the way through because, uh, you know, because uh, Sebastian Bourdais finished uh, fourth and uh, Charlie Kimball, who's had a, another up and down year, finished in the top 10 as well. So it was a really good end of the season for that team. The other guy I want to mention is, and I know... Uh, is Oliver Askew, yes. who you know, w- was forced to miss the last couple of races uh, at Indianapolis because of the effects of the concussion that he'd suffered earlier in the year on the Oval at Indianapolis. Um, he's not been retained for next season. I thought his performance at the weekend was really, really impressive. If he hadn't got taken out, as I believe he was, by, uh, by Takuma Sato mm-hmm. yet again... Um, he would have had a top five finish. He was running pretty much on the same pace as his, as uh, Pato Award all the way through uh, the the weekend. Despite the fact he you know he, he's making a bit of a comeback and there was a lot of pressure on the kid. I thought he was really really impressive. Um, and yeah, and Pato finished off the year with that you know, with a, with a, a second place run. That was great to see for the Arrows Schmidt team. But uh, you know if somebody doesn't pick up Oliver Askew for next season, they they are missing a tr- missing a trick because this kid. Uh, really has the talent to, to compete with with these other guys. We're danger- straying dangerously into the preview territory for next year, but I mean, is there a seed for him? Could he be the sort of guy who might do even if he just does the ovals for Chip Ganassi instead of of Johnson? I mean, I know he's better than that. Or might we see him jump over into into sports cars? He's still rated as a silver driver in sports cars. Incredibly, I, I think it'd be a shame to lose him out, out of IndyCar after the year he's had because you know, other than that big crash that he had at Indy that ultimately one might say has has cost him his drive by being out the car um for a, a couple of races and you know that seems a bit disappointing yeah i mean you know, some of the strategic calls that team made during the season i thought were absolutely bizarre cost him some you know really potentially good good finishes um so yeah that would be a travesty if he if he isn't uh, picked up by somebody for next season and uh, you know I, I would hope that uh, you know he would be very much in the reckoning at uh, at chip ganassi racing even if it is just for the ovals and you know who won't who knows what might come of it after that so yeah hopefully uh, he he won't be lost in, in terms of sports cars yeah no question about it i mean the kid is he's a talent uh, and uh, somebody, I'm sure, is going to pick him up to do something somewhere, and is going to be very grateful they did so. Jeremy, thanks for joining us. Speech at the weekend for the uh, the IMSA WeatherTech Laguna Seca rounds. Yeah, looking forward to it. That's going to be fun, isn't it? I think uh, you know the season's boiling down there quite nicely in the in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, and uh, WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca is always a fun place to go racing. So looking forward to it, John. Thank you very much. And Shay will be here with a preview of those in a little while. But first, we move on to two wheels and the return of Nick Damon. Can I just say RS2, uh, Saturday and Sunday for IMSA. And yes. Nick Damon has stayed with us. I have. I had nowhere else to go. And it's the, well, after all those professional roles, could you even move? No, I was, I was, I was it has a, been suggested. To be honest, I was having a big conversation with my team about sorting out the uh, the car for the uh, race remembrance. Um, uh, it has been suggested when somebody said you've had too much sugar. Yeah. And somebody said, no, hang on. 
Damon, uh, when it comes to profiter rolls, has the defeat device exactly. as Ferrari has on fuel flow. Exactly. I, I just I pulse in a different way you know, and get extra profiter rolls and apple frangipani tarts. I, I mean, certainly I am loaded with sugar, but realistically, it's fine. They could doze off at any second, Tim. So you better get this done quickly. Oh, uh, till it's gone. So end of the road for Bradley <laughs> Smith. His road's the only reason he's actually obviously in the races because he's a test driver fishing for a pool. We're talking about MotoGP here, of course. Uh, is because they've struck by Andre Iannone as, as his never ending saga of his um, positive test. That's got to be a year ago now, hasn't it? Or very nearly a year ago for apparently weird 18th stick. Yeah. Um, and, that, and, they, and they haven't got to the final part of the, the cast review yet, and therefore they're sticking by him, and Bradley's managed to get, you know, what, 14 of the race, I think mean, it is, he isn't in the last three. It's an Italian superbike racer whose name completely defeats me, but luckily I know Tim's got it. It's Lorenzo Savadoro. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, yeah, Savadori. so Bradley's not really been dropped. He just, got, he just managed to get more races than we thought he was going to get, because he was always going to carry on. And Andrea De Vizioso is going to be a test driver for Yamaha, apparently. Is he? According mm, to rumours. Possibly. Okay. Um, well, I don't know about that. Because they've obviously already got Lorenzo. So how many test riders do they need? More testers than the perfume counter at Boots at the <laughs> moment. Yes. Do the perfume counters still have testers? Is that allowed in the current climate? Yes, of course it is. You can spray things on yourself. It just can't be sprayed by a by a white-coated woman who's, you know, therefore must be a doctor because she's wearing a white coat. Good point. So but tell us about the Teruel Grand Prix. Well, I couldn't pronounce Teruel. Teruel uh, Grand Prix. Well, the interesting thing was the two dry riders who finished every race this season both fell off. Yes. Um, <laughs> Alex Marquez, uh, again, riding Who was the riding pack, looking, brilliantly well literally unlocked the concept of the whole thing and, and from looking like a liability the first X races the last three or fours looked really good and then he falls off from third I think he was about third and he was, of the race he was absolutely uh, chasing down the leaders mm. I think I think there was a chance of a victory I there think very I'll good be honest with you the Honda was great there and in the of fact Takahami Nakagami uh, took pole and then completely blew it um, four corners in by on not, another Honda not being in the right part of the track, losing the front end and missing the pressure got to him, um, which is unfortunate because he'd also been announced early in the early in that weekend he was going to get a full factory 2021 bike next year, so he has oh, been riding last year's bike. Sorry, I didn't bike. pick that up. Um, so he's also done very well um, in scoring points, uh, but they both blew it at the wrong moment. Which left Frankie Morbidelli to win his second race of the year and put himself back in contention for the World Championship in this World Championship, which genuinely no one wants to win. Being led by a few points now by Joan Mir, who still hasn't won a race. Uh, and with the fading um, Fabio Quattrado. Thank you very much. Sorry, <laughs> sorry I, I was reading some. <laughs> Breaking rumour. <laughs> nah, sorry. Uh, Carry in on. second. So it's, it, it's up in the air with three races to go if those races happen. Two of them are in Spain and we expect they are expecting some quite more severe COVID restrictions. This should carry on happening because they have got quite a good bubble there. And then the final race at Portimao. Um, yeah, I mean, Quattro is a whole race behind Mir. But as Mir isn't winning anything... Um, he, he could win up. the championship without winning a race. Yes, he could. Uh, basically, Mir... 
Quattro Vignares or Morbidelli could win it uh, theoretically. Morbidelli, was... Morbidelli keeps telling everybody not to count him out. And in fairness, the way he's been riding, I understand that. Yeah, he's but been... he's been patchy. There's problems. But if he, obviously, if he can, he only has to throw a run of three races together. Uh, Dovi is obviously not out either, but he's just having no, a terrible time with the bike. So he is he, now. He's head's gone. Yeah. So anyway, so it's it's it's. it's I mean, really. And I, I kind of wanted. I, I was being. Unusually for me, I was being contrary. No. I know. But the fact <laughs> no. that Andrea Davizioso didn't have a ride for next year, I would have loved him to have been world championship and be without a ride. Yeah, I mean, but it's it's been a very strange year. Obviously, when you lose the, the talisman of the championship in the first race and you, you can't come back, he's going to miss but the whole what season. what inconsistencies from everybody else? Well, even like that Brad Binder, who won that one race, looked great, and has been rubbish ever since. Sorry, that's not fair. Has been less impressive ever since. Yes. Took out... Um, Jack Miller in a ridiculously silly way. It's like at the start of the race. Oh my God, that I, was I just don't unreal. I understand. Sorry. That, oh I my God, that was unreal. Yeah, I think now everybody else been, can hear that. There's been a collective lack of intelligence across the whole board. You look at everyone in there. No, what, what's they are more GP riders. Isn't no, but you know, we're used to championships where you have got two or three riders going bang, 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 bang. You know, Juan Mir is the only person who's managed to put together a championship run. He probably doesn't manage to win new races. If you had to put your money, if you had to put your new Audi RS7 on any of those tops, which what, what, who would you put it on? I'm still going with Fabio. Do you think so? I just think don't, think, get I don't think he liked Aragon. Well, he, and, he absolutely didn't. And he's like on the Aragon. same bike as Morbidelli, so there's no reason why he shouldn't he shouldn't be able to get it back he's, up again. He's ri- for me, he's riding tense, tensely, tensely. Mm. Uh, well, he's perhaps stiff. I know what you're saying. It's not looking as like... Because he won the first two races and it flowed and then it didn't. Um, but, you know, the thing is that Vinales should be the person who's favourite, but he has just got a worse head than the rest of them. Yeah, great. And he's very hit and miss. Uh, Sam Laws, fabulous ride on the Mark VDS machine. Is that three of the one? Yeah. Yeah. And now uh, takes a seven-point lead in Mortal 2 over any about Battistini and Luca Marini, the long-time leader, of course, half-brother to Valle mm-hmm. uh, on the Sky Racing team, uh, VR46. Marco Bezzecchi, uh, well, he's mathematically, he's not out of it, but he really is. Are we going to have a British winner in Mortal 2? It'd be lovely if we did, but that's very He's found that's very form at the right there. time, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean, there's been, it's been a... Uh, Although he can't get a, a Mortal GP ride for next year, apparently. Surprise me! It, 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 you know, it's not very popular. But you, yeah, if you're Italian or Spanish, you go into MotoGP. If you're British, you go into World Superbikes. We all know that. Mm. Uh, Mortal <laughs> Three, uh, the, the man who is still uh, fuming, of course, is uh, is sitting down in fifth place. Tony Arbolino from the Snipers, the uh, River Cold Snipers team, on one twenty-one points. Uh, the leader Alberto Arenas on one fifty-seven, and the re the reason that Tony is upset because he, he couldn't do the last two races because he's locked down in Italy because he sat next to someone on a plane who tested positive for <laughs> COVID and awful. track and trace. I know. I, 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 I understand why it's no, been no, done, me too. but I feel real sympathy for him because that is just a definition of bad luck, isn't it? I agree. Can I go into the bike down mode the... here and say it's test yeah. and trace? Track and trace is what DHL do. Uh, well, with similar abilities, by the sound of it. What yeah. noise... Uh, oh, hello. might you have heard between the third and fourth corners of the fourth lap on Sunday? Of which race? Of the MotoGP race. What? Not on the fourth lap between the third and the fourth corners? Yes. Mm. Someone going, oh! 
And who was wow. that someone? I don't know which particular person because quite a few have fell off. Oh, this person didn't fall off. Go on then, who was that? the commentator? It's uh, Carl Crutchlow. Oh. Whose shoulder snapped. Ooh! What? Four or five snap. laps into the race, I felt a snap in my right shoulder changing direction. I did nothing wrong, I just got a little uh, more weedy, but I felt something pop right away, and for the next two or three laps, I was in immense pain with it, even though I was able to continue in the race. Well, I've seen Nick do that when he's re- re- reaching for a suite in the back of the car when we were off to I a I had to put my shoulder back in again, yeah. And was, you had to was, put your shoulder back his, in. Did he, did he what, crack a collarbone or something? Uh, he's, he's got that shoulder injury, though. To find out what's wrong. He, he's got similar shoulder problems needs, to what he, you he, have. I, Carl, I, I, I think Carl's a great character and he's a very effective racer. He's won some races, but he needs to stop. I agree. He, he has had some bizarre much. injuries this year. Yeah, he broke. Was he broke his foot tripping over a paddock piece of paddock? His, his ankle. He was leaving the COVID testing station and tripped <laughs> over. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry. Sorry, I shouldn't laugh. Ah, uh, that is but terrible. But I do feel that Carl, Carl needs to go home and um, just have a couple of you know a year or so of recuperating, and then just do some you know some fun stuff. I think. And then and then take stock of what he's going to do. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very uh, much. We're Nick. off to where next? We're off to. Uh, Valencia. Valencia, twice. Once as, once as the European Grand Prix and then the Valencian Grand Prix. They're back-to-backing all three, aren't they? They're not starting until the 8th of November. That then, assumes, then of course, Portugal. that they can get it done. I had to say that earlier, yeah. Yeah, it's, mm. it's up in the air. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously Mr Mir is hoping it isn't going to get done because he'll be world champion. True enough. Uh, let's go back to Shea Adam on Midweek Motorsport. Um, uh, I've what, got what's happening news. in Texas, Shay? Uh, they are under caution because <laughs> stage one finally ended. Seventy-four ish hours for a stage, so uh, not, uh, so that's the first not third too bad. That's the race done. The stage. That sounds like a Paris Dakar stage rather than a, a NASCAR stage. Well, Who was leading when the yellow flag came out? Your buddy Clint Boyer was leading. Uh, so bloody, one hundred and eight laps. <laughs> well, you did such a good job with him on the Pikes Peak broadcast. No, true. Like he was fun. He was fun. He did make me uh, laugh well, a lot. 108 laps complete. The magic number they need to hit is 167. That's halfway, and that's when points would be paid out, although there is no rain on the radar, so we could see a full race of 334 laps. I still like the fact that we've already delayed next week's race until yeah. Monday. Uh, the weekend, we intimated it with Jeremy Shaw earlier on. We're at uh, WeatherTech Raceway, Laguna Seca. It is it's a WeatherTech Michelin Pilot Challenge and Lamborghini Super Trofeo yeah. back on the big show again. Let's start there. Huge and very impressive field. Yeah, 19 cars total. We've got six in the pro category where Madison Snow leads the championship by 11 points over Steven Agacani and Jake Edson. There's a new car in that class for U.S. Racetronics team car to the Agacani Edson. But for Taylor Proto, the former champion and pro-am comes back to the series. In the pro-am class, we have four cars. Nobody knew there. It is McKay Snow and Corey Lewis leading by 10 points over Leo Lamellis. Am, we've got four cars, which is a much bigger grid than we've had at any other race so far this year. It's actually double the grid that we've had at any other race. Victor Gomez, the fourth, leads there unopposed because he's the only driver who's done every race and he has won every race. Now, we've got two new cars in that category, both from U.S. Racetronics. 
One for Mel Johnson, who was the LB Cup champion last year, and his occasional co-driver from last year, Jonathan Hirschberg. And then Brian Thenis comes back for that team as well. So it's going to be good to see him running again. And then LB Cup, five cars. Randy Slary leads by 19 points over Matthew Dickin, who is not on the entry list. So the change racing organization only with four cars this weekend. But TPC has entered a second car for Scott Schmidt and Trevor and Rusco, who are making their professional debuts. So it is going to be a really fun weekend for the Lambos. Uh, it's a bit of an odd uh, schedule with the Lambos and Pilot Challenge starting their week on, on Friday moving into Saturday and Sunday for Lambos, only Friday and Saturday for Michelin Pilot Challenge. And what does the entry list look like there, Shea? We're down a little bit. We're down to 26 cars total. Uh, 18. It, well, yeah, 26 is a good number. That's my lucky number. I'll take it. Uh, 18 cars in GS and eight cars in TCR. Now, in GS, Kyle Marcelli and Nate Stacey lead by 20 points over Tyler McQuarrie and Jeff Westfall. Because the sister, because McQuarrie and Westfall retired during the race at Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta, and they didn't just finish the race and then get disqualified for missing drive time, because they retired, they still got points which means that they're still in the championship hunt, but 20 points back, that is a big deficit. In TCR, it's Lewis and Felipe who lead by eight points over Chavez and Norman, who have three points over Gottsacker and Wilkins. So it does look like a repeat champion in TCR is possible, at least for one of the two drivers from last year. Now let's talk about some entry list changes. We've got Haley Deegan rejoining the Multimatic program. She is replacing Scott Maxwell alongside uh, Seb Prius. So they've replaced a former series champion and the man with the most polls in series history for Haley, who, as far as I can tell, has three career wins in her NASCAR career and her stock car career. So she is somebody very much that they're interested in learning and nurturing over the course of this weekend and trying to get her up to speed in sports cars. Bimmer World is the other big team that's got a big shakeup in their lineup. Greg Leofuge, who's been driving alongside James Clay, has moved to the sister car with Nick Vellante. Don't know what's going on with Dylan McEvern, but he is out of that car this weekend. Ah. So they've drafted in Mike Skeen, birthday boy, to come in with James Clay. So that's going to be two tall drivers sharing the 82 BMW. I'm sure both of them will be appreciative of that in that situation. And the 93, which is the sister car for Carbon, the Audi, the one that we always think is having disaster, but it's not the one that's fighting for the championship. Samir Gandhi, who's one of the team owners, he is making his season debut in that car. He typically runs at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Sega. TCR, very straightforward. No changes for any of the driver lineups, but we only have one Honda, so that's why it's down to only eight cars. Uh, and in the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, uh, free practice on Saturday, we'll have that uh, for you and then qualifying and the race in sound and vision on Sunday yet qualifying on to, I mean bizarre scheduling <laughs> 8 o'clock yeah. free practice for the main race on Saturday 8.30 qualifying on Saturday and then the race early afternoon they do not do any practice at the time they are racing which I find bizarre anyway let's let's get away from that and tell me about the entry list well, and the other thing is it's still Fogtober, so who oh, knows if we point. are going to get our sessions off at 8 a.m. But Excellent I'll leave that point. to the, the experts who leave out there. Carol Brink, you'll be our eyes and ears for that. 28 entries for the WeatherTech Championship this That's weekend. Good. Uh, let's start with GTD because that one's pretty straightforward. 13 cars there. If Aaron Tielitz and Jack Hawksworth start the race, they win the Sprint Cup. It's easy as that. It'll be wrapped up this weekend. 
Helix leads the overall championship, the season-long championship, over his co-driver, Jack Hawksworth. They're not expected to be split up again this year, so it will remain that way. He, they have a four, well, Hawksworth has a four-point buffer back to Ryan Hardwick and Patrick Long, who have really been coming on toward the end of the season. And Patrick Long has so many wins at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca. He's going to be good. But the problem is that three points behind them, are the 86 crew and the Acura for Meyer Shank Racing has a very good history of being strong at this track. So this is their opportunity to bounce back from three bad races. In terms of bouncing back, well, we had some bouncing back at the last round of Petit Le Mans for Porsche. Six GTLM cars again this weekend. We have both of the Porsches here as well. The championship is in numerical order, which makes me very, very happy. <laughs> the three car has 28 points over their teammates in the four car, who have four points over the 24 car, who are leading the 25 car, who are leading the 911, who are leading the 912. Now, Jesse Crone, Bruno Spengler, Fred McAvecki, Lawrence Fantor, and Earl Bamber have never won at Laguna. Everybody else in the class has. So in terms of looking for expertise, you've got pretty much one in every car. It's not going to be an issue there. LMP2, very thin field, one car. It's as simple as if Patrick Kelly starts the race, he ensures that he wins the LMP2 title. So that's why PR1 brought the car oh, all the way out to you. Laguna, even though there's no competition. It means that they have no stress when they get to Sebring, which like tends to be a high-stress track. Um, and then speaking of high stress, well, let's just dive into this little ditty, why don't we? Um, it's eight cars for DPI. We've only got one driver change on the list. It's Mateus Laced and Steven Stimson, once again, driving in the 85. It's no longer the banana boat for JDC. I don't know if it's still going to be silver and red, but it will always be the banana boat in our hearts. But in terms of the championship, 215 points for Ryan Briscoe and Ranger Van de Zanda, who we found out this week are out of jobs next year. Wayne Taylor Racing will not be retaining either of those guys. They have an, let me see, eight points advantage over Ricky and Elio for Acura Team Penske, who we don't know what they're doing next year. We don't know what jobs they have. So that's the dogfight. And then you throw in Pippo Durrani in third on 203 points. So he's only 12 points out of the lead. He could come through and win this whole championship. He's very good at Laguna, and we don't need to say it. He's amazing at Sebring. Uh, you mentioned a couple of people there. Thanks, Shay. Uh, Shay will be with uh, Jeremy and me, John Hindoff, at the weekend on RS2. Mentioned a couple of people there. I think we need the new T-shirt, the new hashtag. Congratulations <laughs> to Lawrence Vanter, Earl Bamba, and particularly to Nick Tandy, who in the Rover Racing Porsche uh, absolutely uh, did the job. Uh, the irony not lost on me that Nick Tandy coaxed a car home and managed to hold off the second-place car by dumping all of his oil onto a wet track so he couldn't catch him, <laughs> and the bag was a bag of hammers. Hashtag Vam Bam. Thank you, Tan. I think so. Uh, finish off with uh, finish off with you, Tim Greer. Uh, where was Emanuele Pirro at the weekend? Uh, did he get drafted in to do Formula One stewarding? He did not. No clue, then. He was at Brands Hatch. Was he? For Formula Ford? The Formula Ford Festival. But he mm. was there was an interested bystander uh, because Goffredo Piro, his son, uh, was taking part. Oh. His younger son? Yes. Because mm. uh, the other son is already working for a race team. Finished 22nd in the final, um, having 
made it onto the grid for the final through the last chance race. Uh, the race was won by Rory Smith, who uh, beat uh, Jonathan Brown by half a second. Uh, and uh, the two Team USA scholarship drivers, Bryce Aaron and uh, Jackson Lee, were fifth and tenth, respectively. Bryce actually had been running third at one point in the final. Uh Quick bit of news, uh, and this at the moment is not confirmed, but picking up from uh, uh, ESPN Spanish, uh, that we are hearing that uh, Chico Perez going to Red Bull is 90% confirmed. Nick Damon pulls his really? face slightly. I thought they'd gone for Halkenberg. But definitely not for somebody inside no, the, the program. No, no, that's not happening. Anymore. Would it surprise you if Perez went there? No, it's like it's like a sixty forty between the two of them. I just thought they'd go for Hulkenberg. Okay, because Hulkenberg's better at, is has is a better qualifier, mm. and they want to get the, the track position. Uh, thank you very much to all of our myriad guests tonight. Don't forget missionmotorsport.org for all the details on hashtag your. ROR and how to get involved in that star-studded six-hour race of Remembrance Online. More details uh, coming next week for that as well. Stay tuned for the first episode. Paul Tarsi, Paul Jurd, Historic Racing News Radio Show. That follows us on here on uh, RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network of Channels. And there's no time to explain. The Llama has still got presents to unwrap. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.